Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking movies, TV, comics, and more. Join in the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning in this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, is the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to discuss in the land of movies, TV, comics, and more, so definitely join in the conversation on social media. You can find all our links at OchoDuroParlayHour.com, so drop by Facebook, drop by Twitter, drop by Instagram, drop by Podchaser, drop a five-star review, and always remember to use the hashtag ODPH in the conversation. Because we have a lot to discuss for DC Comics, mm-hmm. but first we have to give a proper send-off to one of our favorite shows. 136 episodes now wow. f- have wrapped up the saga of Phil Coulson and company debuting in 2013. Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has finally done their last mission mm-hmm. for now, mm-hmm. but we're going to deep dive into it in three, two, one. Pad, what did you think? thought the second to last episode was okay but a bit of a filler you know but still had some emotional moments tugged at the heartstrings a little bit uh but the finale was absolutely bonkers it definitely was we had a live reaction to on the east coast avengers youtube page so shout out to jt and dom uh i was representing the odph there dre was there too shout out to dre uh terrence was there as well from the east coast avengers uh, fam and lex from the wednesday pull list podcast was there all given the instant reaction so there was a lot to digest with this yeah and going into the episodes, because we are talking spoilers, but you know that by now if you didn't listen to the ODPH. The, the second to last episode, not as much impactful moments per no. se. You can really sum it up as Fitz arrived to the party. Yeah. That's the easiest way you can describe it. Which, episode. under cir- different circumstances, would have been an awesome cliffhanger. But I, everyone has been, and myself included, has been anxiously awaiting for him to come back. And it was like, Christ, finally. And we did find out why he was gone from the season for so long. Not because they wrote it that way. Their hands were kind of tied. He had a a scheduling conflict. There was something else he was working on that he just couldn't be there for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So they had to pivot and change things a little bit. Yeah, Ian DeCastecker couldn't make it until that moment. But when he finally showed up, he did. And, I mean, completely in Fitz fashion. Yeah, you definitely got the vibe off of him where it's like, holy shit. Why is it taking you guys this so long, this long? Exactly. Because the entire episode really led up to this moment. So mm-hmm. that's why I said I don't really want to spend a lot of time into it. Because once the rescue mission on the Chronicom ship for uh, Simmons and Deke, it really just kind of sped into Simmons coming back and what has been the mystery of Simmons this entire season. Mm-hmm. There's been something implanted in her head to mm-hmm. block a memory. And it's the only way that it can stop Malik and company from winning. Mm-hmm. Because... Fitz planted this in Simmons' head, and it was like almost like an ultimate chess move. Mm-hmm. Like for as many times as the Shield agents have been behind Sybil yeah. this entire season, leading to the Chronicoms. Yeah, Fitz apparently has been one step ahead. Which yeah. I mean, time travel rules. I guess that's the easiest way to describe it. Time travel rules, but I mean, you have seen this. I mean, you think of Dumbledore and the Harry Potter books where, you know, despite the fact that you have no idea what the hell is going on and whether they're going to be able to pull off what they need to do, Dumbledore's got a plan. Same can be said for Gandalf. As wild as it seems for Gandalf to say, hey, leave the ring behind and give it to your to your nephew. And, oh, hey, I'm just casually going to make it so you, you know, like Gandalf always seems to have a hand in this. Like, you see this all the time. Yeah, you definitely do. And like I say, it was ultimately a, a big chess game this entire mm-hmm. season. 
that finally pays off because once the team pulls off the dramatic escape and Malik winds up alienating his team a little bit. Like yeah. This was one thing that Power ultimately corrupted yeah. because he had his soldiers in place, per se. He had Garrett and Cora all following mm-hmm. him blindly, but he just would not like allow himself to be patient. Mm-hmm. And he was just trying to have everything now, now, now. I'm in control. Yeah. Like, I, th- I thought that was one telling point of that episode that he said, like, uh, civil works for me. Yeah. Or he said something that variation. Something like, like that, yeah. He, like, he definitely seemed like to, to his minions, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. It seemed like he had all the pieces. He knew what he was doing. He had all the all the outs and the ins and the what have you. But he had, like, maybe a quarter of a plan. Yeah, he had only a quarter of a, the big piece of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. And it definitely showed because once there's that standoff and Daisy is talking to Cora. Uh, Malik decides to pull the upper hand and, and takes out Cora so he can have her powers. Mm-hmm. And it ultimately doesn't work, but nope. you know, it's the it's all goes into the overall end game. Which I mean, once the team escapes and they get back to the lighthouse, this is where Garrett tries following the orders of Malik and fails mm-hmm. because once he's trying to blow up the lighthouse, it just doesn't happen. And once nope. he you know once he's left for dead by Malik, who mm-hmm. like I said. Once he, he flips that switch and goes into endgame mode, I'm just going to refer to it as that. No pun intended, but hey, it works. You really see the unraveling of his scheme. Mm-hmm. It was very surprising to see how fast it happened. Like, yeah. I, understand, I understand with the time frame and yeah. everything, you know, two episodes left, everything kind of got sped up. But that was one thing I thought really hurt that episode is that all of a sudden he just flips and is like, okay, everybody's expendable. I'm going for the all in to conquer the world, blah, blah, blah. I mean, and, you see that oftentimes, though, where you've got the big bad villain who's very methodical, very calculated, and then just for whatever reason, drop of a hat is like, all right, and we're kicking it into sixth gear. Yeah, it definitely, you see it a lot. Like I said, it almost felt telegraphed, though, a little bit. Yeah, maybe. Like, like, I understand with the time frame, though, because we all knew it was the end, last episode was coming up. But once Garrett's left for dead, and then he decides, okay, uh, he's going to start working with the team, and he teleportates them to the location where the other agents are. Dare I say, one of the funniest moments, and I don't mean this because what happened, but it's just typical S.H.I.E.L.D. humor, I guess. Mm-hmm. minute he goes and tell, appears in front of the other agents, what happens? Uh, they kill him. Yeah, they fire on him and kill him, which it just reminded me of how the original Garrett was killed in season one mm-hmm. because he was given the big monologue of how he's going to do it, and then Coulson just hits him with a laser. Yeah. Reasons. Shoot first, ask questions later. Yeah, which I thought was a very cool throwback. Mm-hmm. I thought it was very intriguing that they decided to play that route, but it worked out in its favor. So once the team is there finally and they cipher out, okay, how to bring Fitz back, because we don't even know all of a sudden that she's struggling to get everything going again mm-hmm. because once it she's been tampered with or trying to get her memories back, it becomes a struggle. But then she winds up just going full like matrix mode, yeah, putting this device together. And then subsequently unlocks the doorway, and a gentleman appears, and it turns out to be Fitz. Did that helmet look like it was uh, Ant-Man's helmet? Yes, it did. Or is it just me? No, no, you are exactly right. I thought for 30 seconds, I'm like, holy crap, they got Paul Rudd. Yeah, no, I was like, wait, is that Ant-Man's helmet? Yeah, could you imagine if Scott Lang showed up on the way to the Quantum Realm, and then... Whoops, disappears wrong, again. whoops, wrong turn. Yeah, because they did mention Quantum Realm quite often yeah. during these last two yeah. episodes, Yeah, which now the, the question of debate is, is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. really part of the MCU? Yes. I, I think you have to say yes. Yes, you, based off of that and some other things we'll get to a little bit later in the segment, yes. Yeah, you, you cannot deny that fact anymore. I understand that it was technically written off by Kevin Feige, but let's face it, they had so many Easter eggs involved. Mm-hmm. 
that to say that they're not a part of the MCU, I think, is insulting to yeah. the fans. Yeah. And wherever they want to go from here after is anybody's guess. Yeah, it is. And to, just to interject for a second, yeah. uh, just to, it's kind of like with the comics. You've got however many Marvel comics, but you kind of got, like right now they've got Empire going on. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple books and however many books that got an Empire story going and what have you. Yeah, there's other comics that are going on that have nothing to do with Empire but they're still taking place in that same universe. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., yeah, they might have intercrossed with some major Marvel moments here or there, Mm -hmm. uh, some of the movie moments, but while they have it, maybe in a bit, they're still in that same universe. They definitely are, and like I say, I am very interested to see what the future holds Mm -hmm. after Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. now involving them, but we'll get into that a little bit later. But for this episode, though, the overall takeaway is Fitz decided to join the team, so finally the team is where they need to be. And the only person, though, who winds up getting left behind a little bit is Deke. Now we're going to kind of just jump into the next episode Mm -hmm. is we get the backstory of what's going on. Which this was a little confusing. It was confusing. That's what I said. It threw me for a loop because, hey, time travel. And and it took me a minute to grasp what was going on, but I enjoyed the hell out of it. Oh, definitely. I mean, once you figured out what Fitz's plan was the entire time, and like I said, it just kind of really jumped around a little bit. That's why I said I might have jumped a little ahead with Deke. Mm-hmm. And to the final episode, because once you realize that Fitz is like, okay, I know what we need to do, but he also, after the uh, season six ending, mm-hmm. when, when Izel was defeated, Simmons and Fitz went away, and Enoch was helping them with a time machine. And it was also almost to give them their own happily ever after. Mm-hmm. Because at the time, we had an idea season six was coming back, but we weren't sure exactly how. Right. But once they were there, they had that pod to use just in case something should come up with the Chronicoms. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, now is the time to use it. So once they start talking about time travel with the Chronicoms, then they drop the bombshell of the Quantum Realm, which, like mm-hmm. I said, was alluded to in the previous episode, but then they fully flat-out say Quantum Realm and all Twitter broke Yep, that moment. Yep. So once they figure out, okay, this is a way to defeat the, the Chronicoms with the Quantum Realm, they come up with a plan. They go, okay, we got to go to the new timeline and really take the fight to him. Uh-huh. So during this, Deke is left behind. Yep. In the 1980s, I believe. Yep, in the alternate timeline. In the alternate timeline, where he is now going to be Director Deke. Yeah, which I, I enjoyed the photo I saw on Reddit, where somebody took that post credit scene in Iron Man 1, where it's like, you know, Tony's in his house, and, and Fury comes up to him and says, I want to talk to you about the Avengers Initiative. But they uh, photoshopped Deke's face onto Fury's body yeah so it, it and they even gave him like grizzled in an eye patch and i was like all right that's funny yeah it was absolutely crazy to see i mean jeff ward completely hammed it up for that moment mm-hmm. and especially when the agents asked like are you the new head of shield he's like yes <laughs> yes i am so that new timeline is gonna be something interesting but i liked how they wrote him off too yeah. because he was expecting to be suza and then they kind of ended the whole deke daisy uh uh, friend zone mm-hmm. mess uh, that Deke was like, no, you're happy with Sosa, you know, treat her well. I'm going to stay here because if everything goes along to the plan, I'll be back anyway in your timeline. It's, mm-hmm. just, it's just a matter of when. Yeah. And I thought that was kind of a very interesting way to go because when they deal with so much time travel, and like I said, to see where everybody's in a pocket, like almost even like a pocket universe mm-hmm. that Fitz was in. And then while Simmons joined the team again, like after they finally explained what was going on, 
it was an interesting take to see that, okay, everybody's really getting a grasp of time travel at this stage. Yeah. Because for a lot of them, when they first jumped in, it's like, okay, we're going back in time, back in time, back in time. But it didn't really feel like that everybody had a, a full grasp of what's going on. Well, I mean, you're, they're flying by the seat of their pants with no time to breathe, no time to rest, no time to relax. It's just jump, 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 jump. Yeah. But once that they finally decide to make the final play for the Chronicoms, this is where the episode really ramped up the intensity. Because once the Simmons gets her memory back and they're at the lighthouse, well, everything's slowly coming back to Simmons and she finally starts remembering. And then you get the whole timeline about what happened too, which I thought was very good. Mm-hmm. I thought it was very interesting because especially they addressed that Fitz and Simmons had their daughter. Mm-hmm. And really, what they say, four years went by? I forgot. It was like an extended amount of time that it, they they had their moment again. Not going to lie. That was, that was a little bit of a tearjerker. Oh, it definitely was because you finally got the happy ending that we've all been oh waiting to Oh, my God, yeah. See. For those two, especially just all the you know crap they've been through and how many times have they you know almost been together and almost happy to just have it ripped away from them. Yeah, it was absolutely a, a gut-wrenching scene. that you If you've been watching as long as we have with it, you definitely have grown up with these characters. Yeah, and, and the reveal of their daughter was amazing because, you know, Simmons just goes, I remember what we're fighting for. And they go back to the pod where uh, Fitz was hiding in, and they go around to the back, and I'm like, what the hell is this going to be? And, yeah. they, and they open it, and you don't see anything, and it pans down, and there's this little blonde-haired girl, and you just hear, Mommy, and I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, the moment they were, they did that big revelation, that was huge. And shout-out to how they did the cinematography for that. Yes. Because they hid her yes. the entire time. I mean, Ayla, you never saw her no. uh, up here, which I thought was very cool until that moment. Then you finally get like, oh, now it's happening. Yep. Which I, which I thought it was like, it was just very cool to see. Because at this point, like I say, that you have Simmons and Fitz and Yo-Yo return to the lighthouse. And while Simmons is getting her memory back, Coulson is leading the attack on the Chronicom ship with, mm-hmm. with Mac, Daisy, and May. Which you do see the ultimate confrontation with Cora and uh, Malik, mm-hmm. where Coulson has that standoff with Sybil. Yep. And he's sitting there the entire time. And, and Sybil is just overconfident because now the Chronicom army is in their timeline. Yep. Everything is is ready to go. And then when Colson is like, no, we've already won. And Sybil is just like, no, you haven't. And he goes, yeah, I have. And she drops that line, like, who's going to save you now? And then bursting through the ceiling, mm-hmm. May yells, the cavalry. Yeah. Which, how cool of a moment was that? It's an awesome throwback. It's an awesome throwback to season one because that was always – May's nickname mm-hmm. that nobody ever used, and you hear the story about it because um, I know they spent an episode on it. Well, and wasn't there a moment? It might have been in the second to last episode, or was it this episode where she's flying the? Or maybe it was a previous episode where she's flying the jet, and and uh, she does some crazy maneuver that like nobody thought she'd be able to pull off. And somebody says something to her, and she's like, and she's like, "Listen, I used to do this all the time." Yeah, she does reference that. Um, it was a couple episodes ago, but yeah, she does reference that. It was just a cool moment to see when she comes crashing through the building. And then you realize, though, and I guess this might be my only criticism Uh of how this went down. Because the deal was Coulson wanted to trick Sybil into unlocking the Chronicoms Uh um, signal, which she does because she's overconfident. Because once he says, oh, yeah, everybody's at the lighthouse, May uses her new powers. Uh Uh-huh. And causes the Chronicoms to feel empathy sure. for the situation. Sure. And they immediately stop. Because she essentially turns them all into Enochs. Yeah, which is a wild situation to see. And I, I almost thought it was kind of a letdown, to be honest yeah. with you. I was expecting, like, a bigger battle. Nah. But 
but you know, like it served its purpose. It was kind of like, all right. It's fi- final episode. They only had 40 some odd minutes. Yeah, so, I, I yeah. know. Like it, it, this can't exactly be Avengers Endgame where everybody's uniting to fight. Oh, I was expecting something like that. I mean, we did have a great final battle with Malik and Daisy, though. Mm-hmm. And that got very interesting because once Daisy destroyed the ships. Yep. I mean, he she wound up killing uh, Malik, wound up killing Civil. Korra escaped, but Daisy is flying in space. Yep. Dead. Yep. And I went, oh, okay. Well, I figured, and I was kind of surprised, kind of not, because I figured somebody was going to die. I figured somebody would have, too. Like, it would have been and a... I'm not a, counting Deke. Yeah, well, no, Deke's expendable. Sorry, he is. But I was expecting, when I saw Daisy get killed, I was like, okay, you're killing off Chloe Bennett's character, who has been the franchise the mysterious character of this show since day one mm-hmm. when she used to be Sky the Hacker living in her van. And now you've, you've killed her off. It's like, okay, the stakes are that high. But once they wind up rescuing her and bringing her back, yeah, which I thought was kind of a different thing with Cora reviving her. Yeah. Because one thing they never explained, and maybe, Pat, I know we talked about this on the YouTube channel, but we never talked about this like on the podcast. What were Cora's powers? Couldn't even tell you. Yeah, like they basically used something her, with light. Yeah, to use as much energy as she could, whether it was like a havoc type power, which I originally thought it was with the with the plasma blast. Right. But then she can revive Daisy, who was perceived dead. Okay. Really kind of puzzled by that. Was very happy to see her get brought back because I mean everybody's exploding about that. But I thought it would have been a more dramatic moment if they actually had her killed off. Mm-hmm. But I'm not mad about that. So once that happens, the team is one. They knew it was the final mission. We now fast forward a year, and everybody is sitting in the bar. And yep. the team is sitting there reminiscing about their past adventures, and you see everybody sitting around in a circle. Mm-hmm. And then you see slowly but surely everybody's like, oh, oh I got to go. Yep. And you see Yo-Yo take off uh, a mental – Headpiece looked like a VR thing or something. Yeah, it yeah. looked like a VR, and you see that she is in a car with Flint and Piper. Yep, and she's running to do a mission. Yep. You then see Mac, who is on a helicarrier. Yeah. Which I want to pose this question to you because I pose this on the YouTube channel: Is Mac really Nick Fury Jr.? Uh, he's the director of Shield. Yes, and I remember reading one because I was finding every article I could find with interviewing because I was looking for certain information uh, with producers and directors and what have you. And they thought about making him a full blown like copy of Nick Fury down to like an eye patch and everything. But they they didn't want to tread on the character too much. They're like, all right, let's get it close and do like an homage, but not full blown. See, that was my theory I had for it. When once I saw him on there, I'm like, oh, my God, was he Nick Fury Jr. the entire time? Mm -hmm. Because I know they just recently introduced him in the comics within the past 10 years or so. Right. So. Like I say, it maybe. Yeah. But I thought how they they left him off was very interesting. Yeah. Then you see May exit the group after she's basically saying, Colson, we're going to see you again. Yeah. And Colson's being very coy about yeah. what his future plans are. But now May is at the Colson Academy, mm-hmm. which I thought was very, very interesting to see. And she's there talking to Flint, which I have to apologize. I said last time it was Flint and Piper. It was Flint and Davis, or ah, Piper, Piper and Davis. Gotcha. Were the two agents that were the uh, yo-yo. But you see her, her with Flint, and she's now going to be doing an Avengers Academy type, but it's named yeah. after one Phil Coulson. Yeah. So Which one, makes sense. I mean, he sacrificed his life like a dozen times. 
Oh, yeah, which, I mean, he has been the franchise of his entire team. And as you see, the team is slowly getting separated. Mm-hmm. You see Fitz and Simmons are taking off, and they get their happily ever after. They're well, raising Elia. Well, what is it? One of them's retired. The other one isn't. I, for, I forget which one. I want to say Simmons is retired, but then Fitz isn't. But he's doing, like, side work for him. Yeah, he's doing side work. Like it, it just he's, he's working for S.H.I.E.L.D., but, like, not in a major capacity. No, no. They're kind of, like, an assistance if needed. Yeah. Like, that was the kind of vibe I got from both of them. Like, I, I that point, I'm not really 100% sure, but you had their happily ever after. They're playing with their daughter. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and they're far, far away from anything S.H.I.E.L.D. So then you have the final moment between Clark Gregg and Chloe Bennett, and that's always a heartwarming moment. Mm-hmm. And then you see Daisy basically saying, there's always room for you you know, with us. And he's like, no, we'll see how we go as the future holds. She takes off her uh, VR piece. Yep. And she is in space. Yep. With Sosa. Somewhere. And Korra. That shot that they were in reminded me of Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, a little bit. And I was going to say, wasn't that like the nebula that uh, Ego was flying in? No, maybe. It was just something that looked like now we have officially established soared mm-hmm. into the MCU. Which has been floating around the last couple of days. It uh, definitely has. And you know what? I fully believe it. If you're not familiar with S.W.O.R.D., minor spoiler, that is the space version of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's what you saw at the end of Spider-Man Far From Home. Yes. Which, I mean, they're planting the seeds between the end credit scene in Spider-Man Far From Home, this... And then a film used prop. You can you can Google search this thing to find it. It was uh, put on eBay for auction. It was a film used prop. It was the pager that Fury used at the event end of Avengers uh, Infinity War uh, to call uh, Captain Marvel. And the, the person put it. Somebody put it up for auction on eBay. And of course, one of the things you have to do with eBay is like you got to post photos of all sides of this thing. Mm-hmm. And on the back of it, you have both the shield logo and then the sword acronyms with you know big letters and then like next to it the smaller letters of like filling out the words. Yeah, it was definitely a cool thing to see. Mm-hmm. And as we finally see, Coulson gets up. He has a present left by Mac because yep. Mac, Mac even says, "I'm a, a mechanic at heart." Mm-hmm. And what does he go out to find, Pad? Lola. Lola. God, that was so good. That was yeah. Lola, modern, modernized 2.0, because uh, it was a completely different piece. Yeah. So it was definitely sleek and really awesome. Yeah, a cool moment. He flies off into the sunset because we don't know what he's going to do before he decides if he wants to turn himself off or what he's thinking. But it ended on an emotional high note. There's so many emotions yeah. going on with this. Great finale. Like I say, to grow up with Clark Gregg as your director of Shield. Now, when as Melinda May, Chloe Bennett as Daisy Johnson, aka Quake, Ian DeCast Decker as Fitz, Elizabeth mm-hmm. Henstridge as Gemma Simmons, yeah. Henry Simmons as Mac, Natalie Cordova Buckley as Yo Yo, and the countless others that have made their way through the Shield ranks. Mm-hmm. We have closed that chapter. So, Pad, overall, mm-hmm. what did you think of the final two episodes? thought they were really great. Uh, one of the best, not the best, one of the best uh, series finales I've seen. You know, really puts a nice nice little bow on top of things. I have to agree. There was so much going on with this that I, I felt I had the same vibes when I saw the season five finale. Okay. I, I had a lot of them. I thought... Uh, season five had more of a, a finite feel to it. Yeah. Like this one was, yeah. this yeah. one, I fully think that maybe we might see, and I have not heard anything yet. We might see an agents of shield movie on Disney plus in mm. like a year or so. Yeah. I, I'm not throwing that. They, they definitely tease doing something 
at some point, or maybe I'm just reading too much into it because, well, who was it? Was it Yo-Yo who said, oh, we need to make this a yearly thing? Yep. So, uh, okay, maybe if they want to, they kind of left it open, but I don't see them coming back for a full series. No, not a series, just a, a one-shot movie. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It could happen because if the fan base is vocal enough, I'm going to definitely throw that out there. But then again, we are now shifting to where the TV characters are going to fall under Kevin Feige. Mm-hmm. What does he want to do with them? Well, we know how Feige feels about anything Jeff Loeb. Right. So that being said, it's a very questionable area to go. I I think if it makes sense, you might see it. I'm not, outside of maybe Clark Gregg, I'm not foreseeing anybody showing up. Um, You might hear a reference, Mm. or you might hear kind of like an Easter egg line. You know, let's just say it's some future movie where, Fury is back, and he's talking to Maria Hill or somebody, and they they're talking about. So let's just say there's some, you know, there's some cosmic weird looking person that they're the, that they're dealing with, and they go, yeah, well, there was that one incident with the guy who was driving a whatever the muscle car Ghost Rider had was, you know, that he, he lit on fire. That was kind of weird. Yeah. I, I see maybe that, but outside of Clark Gregg maybe showing up, I, I don't see him bringing anybody in. Clark Gregg, I think, is even money as Phil Coulson. Because remember, he started out with the movies. Yep. So I'm not saying they wouldn't bring him back in some capacity. God damn it, they have to. Well, the, I, I feel... He's been alive for seven, eight years, and they still don't know. I Yeah, I figure they have to explain that somehow in the movies. Maybe just as a, even a quick throwaway line. Like, yeah. Wendell gets that in, like, Falcon and Winter Soldier or maybe. something. Like, not that I've heard anything. I don't want to throw that... You know, karma out there, and a lead that something I mm-hmm. heard, but I definitely think you'll see Colson. I'd say it's a coin flip if you'll see Chloe Bennett. Yeah, I would say, it, like I said, it, it really is because if they're going to be doing the Secret Warriors project, mm-hmm. she has been very vocal. She wants to come back. Sure. Now, I have not heard anything about this project. The only thing I know is if it's going to be based off what was in the comics. Sure. Daisy is a part of that. Yeah. Would they take a shot with it? Ah, uh, maybe they oh. might. They might have to do a couple sentence explanation for who she is because I can't imagine the folks who haven't seen Agents of Shield are going to want to have to watch seven seasons to get who she is. Yeah, I'm sure they do like a, a 30 second recap or something. Yeah, they, they would do something if they were going to bring her back. Everybody else, though, I don't know. I mean, I think that if they wanted to bring him back, the fans would definitely want to do it. And I, I think the only instance you might see that some of the other characters is if it makes sense for the Disney Plus stuff. Mm-hmm. No disrespect to any of the actors or actresses, but I just don't see a Mac or a Fitz and Simmons showing up on the movie screen. Yeah, I it, I can see it happening in you know a Falcon Winter Soldier type of Netflix series where it makes sense because as like we said, this show is canon. Shield is back. We we Christ we saw the Treskelion yep. in one of the episodes this season. You know we've the, there's a GD hel- helicarrier in the sky. Shield is a thing. They they are back. Yeah, you know I think if it makes sense in one of the if if they do another season of Winter Falcon Winter Soldier and hey we need to bring in Shield because there's a threat larger than the either of us can handle together but it's not quite big enough to bring in the Avengers you know then you might see it and then you might see like a Mac and a May type of deal yeah I mean anything is possible with it mm-hmm. but there was so much that could have happened with the season too I know yeah. you, I know you want to touch upon something so I'm gonna let you have the floor about this one yeah so of course with everything going on and, and some of the stuff that wasn't mentioned I started. Any article that 
or interview that came up on my Twitter feed uh, the night the episode aired. I started reading, and just a couple of interesting things that popped up. Uh, well, one of the villains that was being considered, and I, it sounds like they actually started writing in the season, uh, but kind of got the kibosh put on it was Modok. <laughs> I like. I am blown away by this, but, yeah. but please continue. I'm not making fun of what you're saying. By so way. apparently, the seeds for Modok might have been planted way back in season four, and I'll admit, didn't catch this. Didn't know this. Yeah, I didn't either. Uh, but way back in season four, uh, there was a gentleman there who was a leader of the Watchdogs named Ivanov. Uh, he told uh, Ada, of course, we remember her, the LMD, uh, that his body was only designed for killing. Uh, and of course, for those who know, MODOK stands for Mechanized Organism Designed Only for Killing. Uh, then his co- you fold in his co- uh, Ivanov's code name, Superior, a la MODOK Superior. So, you know, so it looked like might we the dots were connected dots were there uh and then you factor in the fact that uh executive producer jeffrey bell did an interview with the av club and said quote i'll say this i don't care we were given the green light originally to use certain characters from the marvel from marvel and started to break story based around those characters uh he then included a uh modok uh calculated cough uh Hmm. and then they retracted it so there was a bunch of things that we were going to get a little, we were going to get a little batshit crazy that were above our pay grade in terms of the toys we were allowed to play with. That is just mind blowing to me. Like for me, I I still need somebody to explain to me this though. The love affair with Modok. Mm-hmm. Like I think he's a funny character. Like when I yeah. see a big head flying yeah. with the little arms and legs, I, I just yeah. I'm just I start laughing. I'm just like, how is this guy the big bad? Yeah. But yet alone, if they're going to put him on this season, which was, I mean, the fact that they had the green light at one mm-hmm. point. Oh my! Could you just? I think that would have been a perfect way to cap it. Yeah. Off. Uh, the other one I saw was the producers were talking, and originally for the reunion scene, they had them all there together, but then they figured, oh well, wait, they can't. You know, this they had the line, "This will be the last time they're together." So they made the. That's when they made the decision to have them all in like the four corners of the universe in video conferencing uh via hologram mm-hmm. uh they wrote that before anything got shut down in the entire pandemic so there that was an instance where like yeah who could have predicted when we wrote that that you know that might actually be coming true i've been wild to see yeah uh and then there was an end game reference planned uh jed whedon one of the head producers uh did an interview with the new york times uh said they were going to mention the snap but it was cut due to time uh he said quote some of the stuff they did with time travel in Endgame indicated that there are there are other timelines where other adventures are occurring we're following the multiverse rule. The only way that someone survives Thanos' snap in the movies is to go into the quantum realm, or get lucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we originally did plan to give that a mention because we used the quantum realm to move between timelines, but it got cut for time. So apparently there's 20 minutes uh, of additional footage and extra stuff on this episode that included a, a reference to Endgame and Thanos' snap that got cut for time to make it uh, good for the TV runtime. They need to put that on Disney Plus then, because I want to see I, that. I'm willing to bet they will. I gotta see this. I'm willing to bet they will. It's a it's a crazy way to end, but with all the stories and all the memories we have, had favorite moment of the show and favorite um, character. Favorite uh, favorite character is gonna be easier for me. It was uh, Grant Ward. Just uh, just from being the the counterpart to may the cavalry you know the the male counterpart to may being the cavalry and just he's the guy to call in to save him you know he walks through the door you know things are going to be good and to have that flip on a dime and go holy shit he's a bad guy yeah he he had to be my favorite character uh favorite moment probably had to be the entire lmd storyline just it kind of took everything and it was it was one of those fun what if or you know 
what could have been stories, you know, that are always fun to think about. Oh, what, what if Darth uh, Anakin didn't give into the dark side? What if Harry Potter died type of deals? It was fun to see agents of shield and like, uh, what if we changed a couple instances? Yeah. Like for me, favorite moment had to be season four in general. Mm -hmm. I thought the show grew so much that season. We introduced ghost rider, even the Robbie Reyes version, which they did have that little cameo of Johnny blaze, which nobody is talking about too. By yeah. the way. And then you go to the LMD storyline, which if you know S.H.I.E.L.D. comics, you know what that represented. We had Ada, who was a great villain. Mm -hmm. And then you get Welcome to the Mainframe, where you have Fitz turn heel, yeah. in, uh, to use a pro wrestling term. It was such a cool moment to see. I, I thought that was when they really hit their stride. So then anything else after that... I don't want to say it felt like a letdown, but I they got to such a place uh -huh. that it was just one of those moments where it's like, okay, where do we go from here? And not to take anything away from season five, but they went a little crazy with going cosmic, which, yeah. which I think is kind of tough to pull off. And yeah. I think it's, it, but they did make it work. I will, I will say that. Yeah. So I mean, that being said, it this whole season of season four, I thought was just perfect. This is the show I'd been waiting for. Yeah. We finally got it. Yeah. And it lived up to the billing because, like we say, season one was very rough to watch. Season two was a step in the right direction. Three was very hit or miss, depending mm -hmm. on what you want to say, even though I will say that season had the strongest episode of all. Okay. 472 uh, hours. Oh, okay. Or, or 4,722 hours, I should say. Rather. Gotcha. The Gemma Simmons Alone on the Planet episode. That was oof. Yeah. That, that was intense. Yeah. That, that was arguably, like I said, Elizabeth Hentress. Best episode she's done on the show, uh -huh. bar none. And I and I thought that that really was the strongest episode of the show. Uh, but like I said, strongest season definitely four. And favorite character, I was always a big Mac fan. Okay, I, you I thought, just like the shotgun axe. Hell yeah! I mean, when you have something like that, and it's just so comic book esque. Uh -huh. And I'm like, okay, it was perfect. But I did like uh, Fitz though after season one. Yeah, and I love like the back and forth of his character because. Once you show a character is human uh -huh. and you show the multi layers to them, like I, I always think it's great because once you see that he was really damaged from season one yeah, and then when he became Leopold, I thought that that was such a cool flip on the character too. And see how he ran with it. Uh -huh. I was hoping we had more of that. But overall, after 136 episodes, uh -huh. we say goodbye from 2013 to 2020 Overall, final thoughts on the show, Pat, and its legacy. Great show. Really blazed the trail for comic book shows in the modern age and showed that you don't have to have just one hero. You, that one, you don't have to have a major hero on it. You know, an Iron Man, a Thor, a Batman, a Superman, and you can make it work. Uh, also that you can have something vastly connected and go real crazy with it. You don't have to keep it grounded and have a villain of the week. Yeah, I definitely have to say the Agents of Shield definitely set a standard for comic book TV shows. Once it debuted with all the hype, and once you got past the whole "Hey, did you know we were in the Avengers?" "Hey, you know about the incident?" when they really broke out into their own entity, I thought that's when they really hit their stride. Season one, like I say, didn't really feel like it was going to go anywhere. It was very cookie cutter, very copy and paste and repeat, and nobody really stood out on that show. Until you got later on. Uh -huh. And once you started having the big reveal of Grant Ward turning traitor, that's when the show took its real first steps forward, in my opinion. Where it went 
it definitely went into a lot of different directions that I don't think a lot of fans were waiting on. No. And then once you get to season four, like I said, that's the benchmark that everything was set for. And that showed how you could even dabble into more, I don't want to say adult tones, but it was definitely... You can push the envelope. You can push the envelope a lot more than they had been previously doing. And I thought that that's where you saw the really strong work get shown. Mm -hmm. And for what it did, it definitely set the groundwork for other shows to follow. And you can take a look at how the CW has been influenced by yeah. it. You can take a look at how the Netflix shows have been influenced by it. Everybody has had a little piece of the S.H.I.E.L.D. puzzle to where it fits into the greater scheme. It showed that comic book TV shows can work if they're written right and the characters can really translate on screen. If you can find that formula, you can put almost any comic book on screen and it will work. You can say the varying degrees of quality, sure. Mm-hmm. But overall, S.H.I.E.L.D. show it could go. And to last seven years yeah. has been truly an astonishing moment to see. And we just say thank you for the memories. Thank you for everything that has been provided by the show. We've had some great moments uh, down in New York Comic Con going to the panels, yeah. which have been some of the best moments we've had down there in all the years we've gone. So once again, to the cast crew, thank you, thank you, thank you. But hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is now a memory. What is your favorite from that show? Let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hello, my lovelies. My name is Chantelle, and I'm the host over at Lady Justice True Crime. Lady Justice is a weekly podcast that covers fascinating cases, both past and present, from around the UK and Ireland. Some of them are strange. Many are unbelievable. All of them are completely unique and are someone's story. So please come join me on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Tyler from Second Suitor, and you're listening to the ODPH Podcast. I want you to get it. I want you to understand. I'm doing the best I can, but not as good as I want to be. I just want to get it. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and we have to do a little follow-up about a story we were talking about last week with DC Comics. Uh-huh. Uh, obviously, last episode we talked about the massive layoffs uh-huh. at DC Comics, and since that time, Jim Lee had a response-slash-interview to everything going on. Yep. So we are going to be breaking that down. So, Pat, why don't you kick us off with the information here? Yeah, so I, I guess to really turn the clock back a little bit because it's all kind of relevant information. Uh, Back in 2018, AT&T acquired Time Warner uh, to form Warner Media. So AT&T, which got Warner Media, which got Warner Brothers, which included DC Comics. So uh, the layoffs hit Monday uh, and then rumors started swirling because like we said last week, uh, there's a uh, Warner Media's Got a huge amount of debt from that uh, acquisition and yeah. all, everything going on there. So there, we talked about it even more weeks ago that they were looking at selling off the gaming division. Uh, once you had these layoffs at Monday, though, that kind of started the rumors that you know they wanted out of the comics business. That DC wouldn't that DC would no longer put out comics. That Jim Lee would be demoted from his role as publisher and chief uh, creative officer. You know, so uh, Jim Lee did a Zoom call interview with the Hollywood Reporter, uh, where he said, uh, "This quote: This week has been really, really heavy, difficult time. Been a really heavy, difficult time, not just for me, but for the entire organization. We've said goodbye to people that have been huge contributors and who have helped define and make DC what it is today." Uh, 
close quote. A Hollywood reporter brought those rumors and a whole bunch more to Lee, uh, who basically he said what he could and uh, and then talked about the reorganization that will take place over the next couple of months. Uh, and said, quote, while the team is still putting on the finishing touches on Fandom, uh, Warner Media's blockbuster fan event set for August 22nd. Uh, Jim Lee said categorically, we are still in the business of pop, uh, publishing comics. Uh, said that there is no work being halted. Uh, so the don't worry, there's going to be more Batman. Uh, you know, I went on to say John Ridley, who won an Oscar for penning 12 Years a Slave, is writing a Batman miniseries. Uh, Lee said it'll have a huge impact on the rest of the line uh, and said there will also be a, the return of Milestone, a label that features underrepresented heroes and creators. Uh, and then he kind of got to the one that I know a lot of people, including us, have been wondering about. Fate of the DC Universe. Yep. You know, with and then changes the publishing line and the shift in the company. Uh, so, uh, in the article, is DC Com still publishing comics? Uh, absolutely, one hundred percent. It is still the cornerstone of everything that we do. That the need for storytelling, updating the mythology, is vital to what we do. The organization leans on us to share and establish the meaningful elements of the content that they need us that they need to use and incorporate for all of for all their adaptations. When we think about reaching global audiences and we see comics as helping drive that awareness and that international brand, it's very much a part of our future. That said, we will be reducing the size of the slate, but it's about looking at everything and looking at the bottom 20%, 20%, 25% of the line that wasn't breaking even or was losing money. It's about more punch for the pound, so to speak and increasing the margins of the books that we are doing. It it was all it was about aligning the books to the franchise brand content we've developed and making sure that every book we put out uh, we put out for a reason. So all make that makes sense. Yeah, it definitely does. I mean, it's an unfortunate thing of business, but if yeah. you really are just saying okay, looking at the bottom line, yeah. and if you're losing money on it, then yeah. then you have to. I mean, it's it's an unfortunate thing, but as a business standpoint, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I get it. I just, yeah. you know, it's just it's very tough in this time and age. Sure. to hear about layoffs, and sure, people losing their jobs, and, and it sucks. But and I, I understand reducing the size of the slate because if you're putting out, you know, all these books and it costs you all this money to make, and you're putting out a handful that just you're not make like you're putting them out at whatever it costs, and you're making nothing back, or you're even losing money. Why are you going to keep putting them out? Yeah, why are you bleeding money? Yeah, you know. It, Save up, you know, cut those back as much as it might suck for some people who really enjoy those books. Let's face it. They're not making you money, you know, save the money, come up with better ideas or even dip more different ideas and continue to work on the stuff that, you know, works. Yeah, I definitely have to agree with that point because mm-hmm. um, the only thing, the, the counter argument to that is, well, how many more Batman books do you need? Yeah. Nothing against uh, John Ridley, who, like I say, who won the Oscar for penning 12 Years a Slave. Yeah is going to do the miniseries, which I believe is going to tie into the rest of the line somehow. Sure. And if they're bringing back the Milestone universe, I mean, I think that's great because you have sure. Icon, Static Shock. Sure. Um, I mean, there is definitely a lot of heroes that you could definitely tell a lot of great stories. Sure, about. sure. So for that point, I, I think that that makes a lot of sense. And, yeah. And like I say, as long as you're not just going to do the same old release seven Superman books. Mm-hmm. Seven Batman books. Mm-hmm. As long as you're allowing creators to create and give them at least the opportunity to do it, yeah, I'm all for it. So, like yeah. I say, it, it. But if they're cutting the 25 percent of the bottom line, yeah, 
You know, it's a way that sometimes books just don't click. I think the other way they might want to look at it is, you know, to use the TV term, miniseries. Yeah. You know, where keep your mainline books, keep your Batman books, your Superman books, your Wonder Woman books, and the ones you know will make you money. But if you have this character or this group that you got a great story for, that you think will do really well, do a miniseries. Do, do a short run. Don't make it a full-blown, you know, thing and then have to can it halfway through a storyline. Yeah. You know, come up with the beginning, middle, and end. Leave a cliffhanger so that way you can come back to it at some later date. But that way you get your story out, they can publish it, and they're not afraid of losing money. No, they're definitely not. And it's a smart move to do because, I mean, how many times over the history of comics has a book rolled out in a, in a limited series and then it took off so much that yeah. that fans gravitated yeah. towards it? I mean, like I say, if they wanted to start rolling out books, I think it's a, not a bad thing to do because uh, just as long as you're not oversaturating the market mm-hmm. with the same characters. And, and like I say, that's the problem that you had with the X-Men line way back right. when. There was just yeah. like, what, 20 at a time? God, yeah. And then Spider-Man had the same yeah. problem too. It's yeah. like yeah. as long as the quality of the books stand out, yeah. there'll be an audience for it. And, yeah. I, and I fully think that could happen here with DC too. Yeah. Uh, they then went on, Hollywood Reporter then went on to ask, do you still have the title of publisher? Yes. Good. Uh, they went on to ask, does your job change at all? Jim Lee said, I have more responsibilities and more expectations than ever before. In conversations with Warner Media CEO Jason Kalar and Warner Brothers CEO Ann Sarnoff and my boss, Warner Brothers Global Brands and Experiences President Pam Lifford, they have some very ambitious goals for DC, and I'm excited to be part of that. In that respect, there is more on our plate than ever before. I will continue to be involved as intimately with publishing as I have from the get-go. Nothing has changed there, and that's to focus on the creative content, the content strategy, and how many book content strategy, how many books we should be publishing. The formats we are bringing in a general manager to the organization. My role, the way it was envisioned ten years ago, was that I would always have a partner that would focus on the operational side. The general manager we're bringing in has a wealth of marketing experience, global partnership experience, general business development experience. That person will start in September. Well, that's a good news to keep on there. And, yeah. and, and it sounds like is the restructuring, mm-hmm. which as long as they're still producing books, yeah. I, think, I think that's the overall takeaway Yeah, that I know everybody was saying the end of DC Comics was near. It doesn't sound that way so far, mm-hmm. but actions will speak louder than words. Yeah. Uh, then Hollywood Reporter asked, do the layoffs or re- reorganization mean that planned comics are still happening? Are the comics that would have been announced at Fandom still happening? Jim said, there is no pencils down, no, pencils down notice. Everyone has been notified to keep working on all the projects that we already greenlit and started. To that extent, there is no change. No, that's a smart move. Yeah. And, and, I, and I figure that they still have, if they have stuff that's still going, mm-hmm. that, they have annou- that they have not announced being canceled, yeah. Yeah. they're still going to run with that. Yeah. Uh, then they moved on to the topic of, you know, the... Very huge news for a couple months ago uh, where DC broke away from Diamond. Uh, they asked DC in the spring broke away from Diamond as its distributor and signed with two new companies. Some people said at the time it would be a mistake. How has it fared? Uh, Jim said, not only has it exceeded our initial expectations, but the size and strength of the business is that same level or higher than pre-COVID. Wow. Uh, there was a lot of fear-mongering out there about another Heroes World type of debacle that occurred decades ago. There is nothing further from the truth. Things have transitioned very smoothly. That's not to say there aren't kinks that need to be worked out. UCS and Lunar, they've done an amazing job transitioning all the content we produce and putting it into new pipelines and getting it to retailers. And we've gotten back, we've gotten some tremendous numbers on some recent books. We're back to press on the Joker War storyline that has been running in Batman. Multiple printings on that. In fact, every issue since its launch has gone up in numbers. And you know how hard that is. 
Usually when you launch, you start big and the numbers go down. But here it's climbing issue to issue. We got our numbers for the uh, three Jokers, and the first issue sold over 300,000 copies. And that's an $8 book. That's a gigantic numbers for having new distribution. This wasn't about taking our distribution business and placing it in the hands of two entities. It was about what can we do to do things that were never contemplated before. Things that we would love to do uh, to grow the market, the, the physical market. Well, that's an interesting uh, take on it. I, I have been waiting to really hear a lot of feedback on it. I know if you listen to Cheers to Comics, Brian's had a lot to say about it. Um, Justin from Soundgrounds had some stuff to mm-hmm. say, too. I mean, it, it's just very different opinions about how it's working. So mm-hmm. definitely, you know, I, I will say go hit them up. And what is your opinion on the new switchover from leaving Diamond after so long? I mean, it, it was one that I definitely looked at and went, whoa, okay, that should be interesting. But it, it was certainly a risk, and it was definitely something that, you know, on paper might have had a little, a few number of people going, yeah, is this going to work? Because you look at history. I mean, you look at what he said about the three Jokers line that, you know, it's coming out next week. It's already sold. They've already sold over 300,000 copies to the retailers. It, it looks like because can't get it yet. Yep. And it's an $8 book. Yeah. I mean, that book is definitely got a lot of hype behind it. I mean, that's a pick for next week. I'll already tell you that right now. It, the fact that it's doing so well, I mean, that's a good thing to hear. Like I say, especially in this time of COVID and getting to the shops, the fact that if they're touting and success for it, I'm going to take them at face value on it. Yeah. Uh, and a bit of comedic humor moment. Uh, the reporter asked, one rumor I heard this week is that DC is going to only sell trades and OGNs and make a deal with Marvel for them to publish DC's comics. That is incredible. Uh, Jim laughed. It, it says in the article in... Uh, uh, italics la- in parentheses laughs this and he says there's nothing further from the truth in that i don't know where you would ever connect those dots why would we ever do that could you just imagine i'm sorry like i was laughing on an air like i had actually i actually snorted on air i'm sorry uh that would just be insane yeah i mean, I mean first and foremost if dc made that deal with marvel to publish dc comics i mean I, I'm sorry. The, the only way that ever happens is if the industry gets in real dire straits. And yeah. let's face it, it's not. Yeah, I would say this. If Marvel and DC decided to play ball together with each other, it would be more doing another Marvel vs. DC type book or, uh-huh. or a Justice League uh-huh. Avengers crossover. Yeah. You would not have them doing that. No, They I'm would saying. go all digital before they do that. Yeah, like I said. and <laughs> Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm like I just I I, I just I'm I'm just envisioning that conversation. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, you guys are going to publish our books for us, right? Yeah, yeah. Enough said. Yeah. Uh, next, they said uh, Hollywood Reporter said, "What about the rumor that AT and T hates comics and wants to get out of the comic business?" Jim said, "I don't think they want to stop us from publishing comics. Comics serve a lot of different purposes, and one of them is it's a great way to incubate ideas and in creating the next great franchises. We want to continue that. Why would you want to stop that?" Why would you want to stop creating great content that could be used across the greater enterprise? How do you interpret that? Um, I, I, here's the thing. AT&T, I, don't, I understand where the rumor comes from that they need, they need to you know, make a back a lot of money with the sale, with the acquisition. You know, comics aren't doing all that great in this and that. But let's face it. AT&T owns Warner Brothers, which owns DC which runs those DC comics. Mm-hmm. There's a great number of stories already out. Shut down the DC comics line. And all of a sudden you're going to have a harder time making those DC comic movies. Yeah. You can make some great original ones. I'm sure if you get the right person in to write it, but let's face it. A lot of those books are based on one or several books that influence it. 
you cannot, and let's face it, say what you will about Batman v Superman, Justice League, and and the DC films, they still made them a lot of money. And, the, and that's one thing all companies want to do at the end of the day is make money. And if you shut down the comics, it's going to be a lot harder to do that. You hit the nail right on the head. I, I don't think they want to stop publishing comics. Mm-hmm. I think they just want to make sure that they're making money yeah. off them. So that's the way I interpret that. Yeah. But, but see, that also, it, it's, it's a tough line to walk mm-hmm. because as a publisher, you want to promote creativity from your creators. Yeah. But you also, at the end of the day, have to make money off it, too. Sure. So, like I say, it's the battle of seven Batman books. Yeah. Does it really make sense to do that many? Or do you yeah. take a shot trying to do another type of, of venue for it? That's one of the things I've liked with Marvel doing the Star Wars comics is mm-hmm. you've got your mainline Star Wars comic. You've got your Darth Vader comic. And then it's been a whole bunch of, like, one-offs. We're like, okay, you'd like to hear see a story from this perspective or that perspective. But, hey, it's, a, it's either a one issue or a limited run, and then it's over and done with. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, like, I, I understand that point, too. It's just, mm-hmm. like... Yeah, I, I don't buy the fact that they want to cancel the line, but I think they want to streamline it yeah. enough that they're yeah. being profitable with yeah. it. So. Uh, next, a very interesting question. What is going to happen to DC Universe? Uh, Jim said, quote, the original content that is on DCU is migrating to HBO Max. Truthfully, that's the best platform for that content. The amount of content you get, not just DC, but generally from Warner Media, is huge, and it's the best value proposition, if I'm allowed to use that marketing term. We feel that is the place for that. In regards to the community and experience that DCU created and all the backlist content, something like 20,000 to 25,000 different titles and the way it's connected with fans 24-7, there is always going to be a need for that. So we're excited to transform it and we'll have more news on what that will look like. Uh, It's definitely not going away. Okay, so initial thoughts. Mm -hmm. It makes sense if you want to bulk up HBO Max to move your programming over there. Yeah. I know that we have some DC projects in the works, uh, Green Lantern, yep. Strange Adventures. Yep. We don't have anything else announced just yet. And for a, is it fair for me to say struggling service with HBO Max? Um, I don't know. It's hard to say because I enjoy it for what it is, but there are definitely more things that I hate about it than things that I enjoy, enjoy about it. I, I initially loved the fact that you had the ability to stream all eight Harry Potter films on there because, yes, I do own them all on Blu-ray, but I'm sorry it's easier for me to boot up HBO Max and just play the movie from there than to go upstairs, turn on my PlayStation, pop out whatever game disc I got in there, plug in the movie, start the movie. It's a lot easier to just click and play. Yeah. You know, so that's that's what like, I like to have them all there, but now they're going to leave in whenever it is and go to Peacock. So, like, I, I enjoy the service for what it is, that it's a bat that eventually it's going to be a huge backlog of all the stuff they have, you know, but I don't like the rotating uh, s- schedule, I guess you could say. Okay, so let me word it this way. For a service that's still in its infancy, mm-hmm. I think it's a smart move to move the programming over. Yeah. But my question then becomes, what happens with the rest of the service? Mm-hmm. And... It's a great place if you want to meet fellow DC Comics fans. I will say that for the DC Universe. I'm a mm-hmm. subscriber, and I've made no bones about that. Uh, but to see where it's going to transform into, the only thing I can see it forming into per se is like Marvel Unlimited. That's what I think it's going to be. And I think that that would make sense to a degree. But if they're also trying to sell it as a social hub, which is kind of how I'm reading this, yeah, that'll be an interesting take on it. Yeah. 
But then, what do you do about your pricing for it? Sure. Like that's I think you, I think you gotta low maybe lower the price a little bit because what is it eight dollars a month? Yeah, it's eight a month. I'd say lower it to maybe f- five or six dollars a month because there's a lot of there's a lot of comics on there. Jim said twenty twenty five thousand comics on there and ever growing. Yeah. And let's face it, if you wanna if you are somebody who wants to read through the entire comics run of Batman, Superman, Flash, Wonder Woman, if you want to do it legally. You got to either pay out the nose or get incredibly lucky. Good luck finding an issue of Action Comics number one, you know, or finding a compendium book that's got all those golden era issues in it. Because yeah. if you do, you're going to pay out the nose for it. It's a lot easier to have a service that it's, you know, a couple bucks a month that you can just go, oh, hey, you know what? I feel like reading all the Batman comics. Click. There it is. Yeah, it's, there's a lot of benefits to the DC Universe. Uh, I mean, the selling point, though, was the original content, the animated movies, too, as well. But I have to figure they're going to move all of that to HBO Max as well. I, I think they're going to. And that's one thing I've noticed in kind of peeking at replies on social media, that people who don't know DC Universe is a thing. You know, they see the Warner Brothers stuff and they or the DC stuff, and they see what they have on there. But then they go, where's Justice League? The, the animated series. Where's the Batman animated series? Yep. Where, where's this? Where's that? Because they don't know it's a thing. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of an interesting point that they're going to have to clear up. And I'm mm-hmm. interested to see if we're going to hear anything at Fandom this week uh, about that as well. I, yeah. I, I I think they need to address that sooner than later. Though. I, th- I think they will. Uh, next, they asked, what is the future of DC Direct? Jim said, when we started, we were one of the first companies, if not the first, to go out and create business that catered to that specialty market. That success has brought in a lot of competitors and a lot of companies that are now in that space. So it's about, it's about evolving the model. We want to produce those collectible and serve those fans. Uh, but we will probably shift to a higher price point collectible and more of a licensing model, working with manufacturers we already work with. From a consumer point of view, there will not be a change or drop-off in the quality of the work they are seeing. Behind the scenes, how we create it and how we get it to them is going to change. We still have our principal lead of DC Direct, Jim Fletcher, with the company. He will be showcased in a fun panel with J. Scott Campbell at Fandom. All right, so more to that at Fandom this weekend. Mm-hmm. That's the way I'm reading that. Yeah. Uh, and then they asked, uh, last one I want to, last question they had was, where do you see DC in two years? Uh, he said, you'll definitely see more international content. You're going to see more digital content. When you talk about growing our, our business, both physical and digital, to me, the opportunities are global. That's what we'll be focusing on. Sometimes that takes the form of content that we take here and translate and sell in other marketplaces, but we want to partner with creatives in various territories and unlock stories that feel authentic to their marketplaces with characters that they can embrace as their own and look for opportunities to take those characters and seed them throughout all our mythology. With digital, that's more of a windowing issue, meaning we'll go out there with digital content and the stuff that performs well in digital also performs well in print. A good example example of that is Injustice, the digital comics that tied into the video game. When that came out, it was the best-selling digital comic of the year. It outsold Batman Whoa. and brought a lot of adjacent fans into our, into our business. And when we took that content and reprinted it in physical form, we sold hundreds of thousands of units. It was as big of a physical hit as in as in digital we're using that as a model as we go out and do more digital content we'll take the most successful books and repackage it as physical books i think there is definitely business to be had in physical periodicals but that said i think there's a a, there's greater upside in digital because we can go to a more global audience and the barrier to entry especially in this pandemic is lower it's a lot easier to get digital content into the hands of consumers that want to read stories when we uh we want to lean into that and 
and think thoughtfully what digital content should be, what it should look like, the format. What's your take on this, Pat? Uh, not entirely surprising. You know, just don't get me wrong. I love going to a comic shop and seeing all the new issues on the thing. But in terms of what he said about digital, I'm a digital guy. Just because of the way my schedule works, I'm not always able to get down to the local comic shop in sure. time. And a lot of times an issue I want isn't there. And then I'm going to have to like have him special order it or have him hold it aside for me and wait a week for when they get the next issue, the next batch, or the next this, or the next that. But if I load up my tablet I have at home and I go to the Comixology app, which is the one I use, right there. Yeah. You know, and the, the one thing I do like is I, but I caught up on the Batman animated series uh, comics that were on there. They were on there for like 99 cents. Yeah, I, I think the market is changing a little bit. And, I mean, I think you touched upon a couple different points. One, I am blown away. I did not know that uh, statistic that – Injustice outsold Batman. Yeah, I remember reading Holy those comics when they were first coming out. They were real good. Oh yeah, no, no. I mean, yeah, the comics are are amazing, uh, absolutely amazing with that. Um, but that's just that's something that really caught my eye there because I did not know that. And then to switch over that they're focusing a lot on digital right now. I think it makes sense. I'm not so you know rah rah about it, mm -hmm. but but it's for the same reasons you brought up. Like I love going to a comic shop yeah. to go buy, yeah, and, to go buy, and yeah, I love talking to the people down there, and I like having that interaction because that's mm -hmm. that social ex experiment is a great one to be a part of, sure, because you meet fellow fans. I mean, this is why we get really amped up to go to comic cons. Mm -hmm. You meet fellow fans. There's only so much you can do digitally, sure, and have that same experience. But there's something else about going down, picking up an issue. And having that moment, sure. So I understand what he's saying with both. Um, and it, obviously, if you can read print a lot of th that's in digital right now, because for some people they can't get to the comic shop with yeah. everything going on right yeah. now. Sure, do it as long as you're not skewing the business so one-sided mm -hmm. that you're making it instead of DC comics, you're making it digital comics, right? I think that there there's a fine line to walk, and I think as long as you do the walk right, I think you'll be fine. I think I think it makes sense with what they're doing now because they put the stuff out physical and also digital. You know, so for folks like me, I like to read the comics, but I don't want to see them piling up in my room, and I don't want to have 19 boxes in my basement of comics that I've read once or twice and never going to read again. You know, but on the on the flip side, it makes sense to do some of this stuff digital. You know, like the Batman animated series stuff, I I think is just digital right now. I'm I'm imagine they'll reprint it at some point. You know, it, it makes sense because you digitally can put it at a low price point. You're not losing a lot of money on it. And if it sells well enough, you can go, all right, let's put this in physical. So yeah. it, it's kind of a good litmus test for some stories. That, let's see how this works. Overall, what did you think of the interview? Very telling and very much needed because as tumultuous as the online reaction was after all the layoffs, like somebody had to come in and kind of calm the waters and, and Jim was absolutely the guy to do it. Yeah, I think Jim was very well spoken about it. I I don't really have any issues with what he was saying. No. I mean, when we talked about the layoffs last week and, and just how devastating it was, I mean, the DC Universe were expecting that we were going to hear it get canceled. The transition point now that it's been officially made that mm -hmm. all the digital or the original programming is going over there makes a lot more sense. We've alluded to that for weeks, but yeah. now we have official word. And I think it just makes all the sense in the world that it's it's streamlined. And like the folks that don't know DC Universe is a thing will be able to watch it all in one place. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, for the changes that are going to happen in the comic line, as long as they don't take away from what's been working, mm -hmm. I'll be happy with. I know that there was a the black label was affected by the right. layoffs too, right. so I'm hoping that that isn't. Uh, a major change, and I, I believe if I read correctly that they have two editors-in-chiefs now. Yes, they do. So, I mean, that's awesome to see, too, that I, I'm really excited to see what they're going to bring to the table. Yeah. Um, the names escape me at this moment. So 
either way, I thought that Jim Lee came across very well with this. I mm-hmm. thought that he, like you said, he calmed the waters, which they needed to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm definitely excited to see what they have in store. And for DC, this is going to be a, a, a very interesting transition time. Yeah. That I don't know necessarily how or what to expect. Mm-hmm. I think that with having all those layoffs now and going into this weekend's fandom, mm-hmm. the fans need something to get excited about. And I think that if the comics line was going to be tampered with mm-hmm. or changed to a point that fans would get turned off, I think this weekend could be very ugly. But I think Jim Lee's interview was very, very good. I thought that it definitely had a lot to go with it. And to see what the new editors-in-chiefs are going to do, Marie Javins and Michelle Wells. Okay. Just found their names. Um, I'm excited to see what they're going to be announcing for comics. And I think that we're going to see a lot of that at Fandom uh, this weekend. So definitely a lot of good, I thought, that Jim said in this interview, a lot of stuff that we're going to still have to wait and see. But let us know what you think. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. Jim Lee addressed the DC situation. What is your thoughts on it? We want to know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. From the galactic depths of the comic book universe comes the ghosts of the stratosphere, ready to galvanize and energize your mind with the latest of comic book news and reviews. And why why are you stopping me? Yes, that's much better. Hi, this is Andy Larson for Ghosts of the Stratosphere. Join me every week along with my co-hosts Rob Stewart and Chad Smith as well as a cavalcade of fantastic comic book guests as we dish out heaping helpings of the greatest and latest of comic book news and reviews. New shows posted every Tuesday with bonus shows every first Friday of the month. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher under Ghosts of the Stratosphere as well as on our website www.gotstratosphere.com Hope to see you soon, folks. This is Rich, the host of the Three Fat Nerds podcast and co-host of the Horror Zone 607 podcast. And you are listening to our hashtag 607 podcast brothers, the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. Now kick it back over to Ken Moneybags and the crew. Coming back for the third segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And this weekend, if you are a DC Comics fan, uh-huh. you are getting up and going to be staying in front of your computer or social media outlet and checking out all that is DC Fandom. Uh-huh. Now, Pad, what is this event? DC Fandom was a one-day event or whatever day event. Yeah, now, we got to clarify that. Now, now it's two days uh, event that's all things DC. So if you like the DC movies, if you like the DC TV shows, if you like, and that includes streaming, uh, video games, comics, you know, board games, anything DC related, this is your avenue. Yeah, this is the equivalent of a DC Comics only convention online. Mm-hmm. This is the easiest way to describe it. When it was first announced, it was very interesting to see what they were planning because there wasn't a lot of information going on. Mm-hmm. They were going to just try doing a lot of different uh, fan-friendly events mm-hmm. in the different verses as treating it like the multiverse. 
So wherever you are in the world, you'll be able to check out the content. If you head over to dcfandome.com, you have to sign up and log in, but it's a free event a la Comic-Con from Home and New York Comic-Con and Metaverse. So there's a lot of different stuff going on with it. And Mm -hmm. like Pat alluded to, it was just announced they have now made a second day. Yeah, so uh, according to an article on IGN, it says, quote, DC Fandome has been split into two separate events following fan feedback about panel clashes. The first, DC Fandome Hall of Heroes will still take place this Saturday, August 22nd, with the second, titled DC Fandome Explore the Multiverse, coming on September 12th. Uh, It says the Hall of Heroes lineup will include much of the big-name content scheduled for the original Saturday event, including the two new DC games. Uh, The organizers promise uh, special programming panels and exclusive reveals from a wide variety of films, TV series, games, comics, and more. Uh, It says the Hall of Heroes content will be screened three times over the course of 24 hours on Saturday and will only be viewable live on the DC Fandom platform. Uh, uh, that 24 hour time period will begin on then get your pencils ready Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific 1 p.m. Eastern 6 p.m. UK and for those of you in Australia that's three in the morning Uh, you can check out uh, there is a trailer for it online that you can check out uh, and then it says explore the multiverse will take a different tack Uh, for 24 hours from September 12th viewers will be able to create their own schedule out of a menu of programming watching as many panels and showcases as they like within that timeline in whatever order they choose Uh, you can of course go to the DC fandom site now and and make your schedule Uh, basically I guess the reason for the change comes down to scheduling because when they initially put out the DC fandom schedule uh, many fans were, you know, responded about having to watch panels at set times that clash. And then there was some clashes across the events, multiple digital stages. So it sounds like fans were kind of complaining that like, okay, you've got set times for this. We're only going to be able to view this for a certain period of time. There's no way for us to physically check out everything we want to. Yeah. That was the one I will say downside as of right now mm-hmm. to this, because they currently have six different verses you can go to. Mm-hmm. And they're all running at the same time. Yeah. And they all vary on time length. I want to stress that. Mm -hmm. So it depends on what you want to watch live and have that instant reaction because you know the minute this gets posted, it's going to hit social media. Oh, yeah. You're going to get spoiled. So it's like, how do you justify what you watch, what you don't? So that's where it becomes a a challenge to Mm -hmm. do. And this is something that I'm not sure if the creators of DC fandom are going to put this on DC's uh, YouTube page I don't know. after I mean, like all a uh, comic con from home, it'd be a smart move to do. Yeah. Or, or if you really want to drive the point over the DC universe, put it only exclusive on the DC universe. I mean, this is, these panels are going to end up on YouTube one way or another. If you look hard. Enough. Oh yeah, exactly. If you look hard. Yeah. Enough. Not that we condone such things. But, no, but we're just saying, yeah. So that being said, we are going to deep dive into what you should expect, what we think are going to be the panels to check out mm-hmm. at DC Fandom. And the one that I think most of the ODPH Society is going to be geared towards is the Hall of Heroes universe. Yes. So, Pad, why don't we start it off? What should we check out? Uh, well, I'd say the, f- the one you should check out is one of the first ones happening, and that is the Wonder Woman 1984 panel. That kicks off at 1 o'clock, uh, where the description says, Wonder Woman 1984 stars Gal Gadot, Chris Pine, Kristen Wiig, and Pedro Pascal. Uh, and director, director, co-writer, producer Patty Jenkins uh, join forces with Brazilian hosts Erico Borjo and Aline Denise. Apologies if I butchered those names. Uh, to celebrate the fans in a big way, they will answer questions from fans all over the world, talk fan art and cosplay, and reveal an all-new sneak peek at the upcoming film, plus a few more surprises. 
Very interesting to hear. Um, definitely sneak, a great way to start off. Yeah, more sneak peeks. Christ, at this point, we'll have seen the movie in the trailers. Yeah, I'm already getting that vibe from it. Definitely am. So, definitely, if you're a fan of this movie, and I think a lot of people are. and uh, they very want, excited. Yeah, there's a lot of hype behind it. Yeah. What surprises will they announce? I don't know. I mean, that's going to be the real question mark. Uh, so, we have to definitely keep that locked off. And what a strong way to open, too. Mm-hmm. That's super strong. Yeah. Uh, next one you should check out is at 125, an annou- a game announcement from the folks at Warner Brothers Montreal. Uh, this one, I don't know if this is the Suicide Squad one. I, it might be the Suicide Squad one. Because there's a Suicide Squad game, and then there's also another one that we'll, I'm sure we'll get to uh, that are supposed to be uh, announced. Suicide this. Squad is later in the day. So. Ah, so this is the unannounced one that there's a lot of speculation about. Yes, this is the one that uh-huh. nobody is talking about. I mean, it, cou- it could be Suicide Ooh. Squad. They might do multiple ones because uh, they're being very coy about it. But no, I'm you know thinking what? This no, you know what? Because this is Warner Brothers games. The other one is Rocksteady. Ah. Uh, this is this has got to be the Suicide Squad one. Well, okay. the, other, the, other, the other one is uh, whoo, whoo, if you catch my uh, hint. Uh, don't don't break my heart here. But, yeah, I know there's a Suicide Squad one later, too, mm-hmm. so it might just be a, a double one. I mean, Maybe. we don't know. That's the great thing about this, that if you're into video games and yeah. you know we are here on the ODPH, yeah, oh yeah. we're going to be locked I'm in saying, this one. There is no hint given on the description. It's just gamers. You won't want to miss this first look at an exciting game and Q&A with its developers. Yeah, so who knows what to expect there? Uh-huh. I mean, yeah. Uh, next one that should be very interesting, and uh, the title itself, it was like, oh, okay. Uh, the title is Introducing Flash. Uh, that takes place at 240. It says, this 101-style conversation with the Flash filmmakers Andy Muschietti and Barbara Muschietti star Ezra Miller and screenwriter Christina Hodson will give fans a speedy rundown on the first-ever Flash feature film. It's happening. We live in a, a day and age where New Mutants tickets went on sale. Mm-hmm. Will we actually see something for this Flash movie? I don't. I I think we might get in because they haven't filmed anything yet. Yeah, I think we might get an idea or like a general idea of what the plot is. Yeah, because the only time we've seen anything involving Ezra Miller in the Flash right now has just been on the CW universe, which mm-hmm. kind of ties into the multiverse yep. 101 panel they have, yep. where it gets schooled by the engaging refresher course by the creation of the multiverse with DC CCO publisher Jim Lee, Warner Brothers Pictures president of DC-based film production Walter Hamada, mm-hmm. and Greg Bertolanti. Okay. So that, that might take a few viewings to understand everything they talk about. Yeah. So because multiverse is confusing. You definitely might get a multiverse here and there. Mm-hmm. I know there's a Batman Beyond or Beyond Batman panel as well too. So that's going to be covering so much going on with Batman in the history of the shows. But we got to go jump into one that I think Pat has had circled uh-huh. for a long time. The entire internet has had this one circled for a long time. Break it down. Uh, at two fifty-five, you have the Suicide Squad. Of course, the upcoming film from James Gunn. Uh, the description reads: What else would you expect from the Suicide Squad but the ultimate elimination game? First up, writer director James Gunn takes on fan questions, then brings out Task Force X for a fast-paced, no holds barred squad showdown that tests every member's squad knowledge and survival skills. Uh, the uh, actors and actresses will be in this. Uh, I have I saw a preview. I think James Gunn shared it on Twitter. John Cena will be there. Oh, you know, so it should definitely want to check out if you are excited for this film, as I know I am. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to see what is going to be going on with this movie. I mean, hopefully we get maybe a teaser trailer or maybe get something like mm-hmm. I, I definitely want to see a little more information about this because this is one of the most anticipated movies uh-huh. in the comic universe. Oh, yeah. So. Uh, next one up, I think, would be definitely interesting if you're a comics fan, is a surprise DC Comics panel. There's no description. That's just literally all it says. Yeah, there's a bunch of these throughout the uh, fandom mm-hmm. that are going to be surprise panels that 
We don't know what to expect. No. Could this be an announcement of the next big crossover? Could this be an announcement of a new superstar team getting put together? Maybe. There's so much that as a comic book fan, you can check out during here. That might be something worth checking out as well. Yeah. Uh, next one to really check out is the uh, Snyder Cut of Justice League panel taking place at 530. Uh, it says Zack Snyder fields questions from fans and a few surprise guests as he discusses his eagerly awaited upcoming cut of the 2017 feature film and the movement that made it happen. Well, I'll be asleep. Pat will be asleep. I'll be watching. I mean, let me know how it goes. Couldn't I, care less. Oh, I'm definitely going to check this out. This There'll is, probably be a clip. There'll be a clip of something. Also, that, there's been enough like photos and such online though. Like, there'll probably be a clip. Like I say, this has been one of the most polarizing projects that has been announced. Um, returning to media. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is going to be interesting to see where kind of the temp of the room is. Mm-hmm. That obviously this won't be in front of a live crowd. This is just going to be us watching at home. But I think Twitter reaction is going to be very, very yeah interesting to watch that yeah. day. Yep. Uh, after that, at 5.54 p.m., you have a uh, the Flash TV show panel. No description or anything about that, but if you're a fan of that series like you, uh, Ken and I both are, definitely want to check out. And one thing, too, to note with the times, a lot of these panels are not an hour. Mm-hmm. They vary in degrees. Yeah. So, so if you're going, wait, wait, 5.54, I don't yeah. understand. Like the Flash TV panel doesn't even have a time description, but I know the one for Snyder Cut uh, says it's 25 minutes. Yeah, they all vary. There's a couple of other panels on that day that are five minutes. Yeah. So yeah. it really depends on what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that, at 6.10, you have the Black Adam panel. Uh, which the description reads, star of the first ever Black Adam feature film, Dwayne Johnson sets the stage for the story and tone of the new movie with a fan's first Q&A and a few surprises. Will he be there in costume or at least wearing the shirt? Uh, Yeah, Uh, he'll be wearing a shirt with the Black Adam logo. I don't think it'll be the one he's wearing in the film, but I think it'll be one of those ones obviously bulked up because he is a rather large individual. Uh, I figure it'll be one of those T-shirts you might be able to buy at like a store that has the logo on it. And one thing, too, if you haven't been following the saga about uh, The Rock and the Black Adam character, mm-hmm. he has been petitioning to make yeah, this oh, yeah. movie like nobody's business. Oh, yeah, so, he wants it in the worst way possible. Yeah, so if anybody's really questioned about like how dedicated he is about this, mm-hmm. this might be the panel of DC fandom. Yeah. Like, for however long he's allowed to talk for, mm-hmm. he might even go over it. I'm just saying. I'll, uh, are you, I'll say he probably will, because who the hell is going to tell Dwayne Johnson no? Exactly. So this one, I think you definitely have to get circled mm-hmm. or highlighted on your calendar for DC fandom. Definitely mm-hmm. worth checking out. We'll be recapping this one yeah. for sure next week. Yeah, uh, and then at 6.50, uh, you have the Titans TV panel. No description, just something, a panel about the Titans uh, TV series, uh, formerly of DC Universe, now soon to be HBO Max. So I imagine we're going to hear a release date for season three, mm-hmm. maybe an idea where they're going. Mm-hmm. I have an idea, but I don't want to speculate right now. Uh, the season two finale was a letdown, in my opinion. Okay. They, they somehow botched the landing each season. Mm. I, I, I don't understand why. I mean, the show has had flashes of brilliance. Sure. I will say that. And this season was definitely a step in the right direction mm-hmm. when they did the Deathstroke story. Oh, okay. But how they ended it was just messy. Yeah, I, like, I watched a couple episodes of season one for the brief time I was subscribed to DC Universe. It was just hard to connect for me. It was just, like I got it and I knew who the characters were. So like that made it easy. But just the story just wasn't working for me. Yeah, you have to really bear with it because mm-hmm. it, it goes through some rough patches. Sure. Definitely does. Sure. Uh, next up is the Aquaman panel taking place at 7.05 p.m. Uh, the description reads, Aquaman director James Wan and King Orm himself, Patrick Wilson, take a deep dive into the world of Atlantis that Wan created, revealing their favorite behind-the-scenes moments from the largest DC movie ever. 
So this could be very interesting. No Jason Momoa. No. Which I thought was... Should note this panel is only about 10 minutes. Yeah, I was going to say, that I thought was kind of telling. Um, mm-hmm. Not to say I wouldn't doubt him crashing this one. Because, oh, hell yeah, absolutely well. Yeah, because it's Jason Momoa. So, a fan of the movie, the surprise hit that mm-hmm. it was, so definitely worth checking out. Yeah. Uh, this one's just for fun because it's going to be absolutely nuts because the show's absolutely nuts, I hear. Uh, oh, a- it is. Ask Harley Quinn. Uh, she has gone to toe-to-toe with Batman in the Justice League. Taking down the Joker and the toughest villains of Gotham City. But at DC Fandom, Harley Quinn faces her toughest challenge yet. Answering burning questions from DC's biggest fans in her own uh, tell-it-as-it-is, no-BS style. If you love the Harley Quinn animated series, this is one you cannot effing miss. I'm giving this show a rewatch. Okay. Not that I say I I didn't hate it Mm -hmm. when it first came out, but there was other things that took my time. Okay. So... I'm definitely giving this show a rewatch. I know many ODPH Society members that rave about this show. Okay. I've talked to uh, fellow podcasts such as Ghost of Stratosphere. Sure. They love this show. Sure. It's something that for how Harley Quinn has translated onto the animated screen. Sure. It's been a hit. I know it's been on sci-fi. I, I'm not sure if it's still there. I don't know. Because I know they just unveiled their TZGZ right. uh, animation yeah. block. Which I would rather see Harley Quinn on there than that. I've, I've seen a couple clips on, on YouTube, and it, from the clips I've seen, it looks hilarious. Oh, yeah. It's bonkers. Like, yeah. It is completely Harley Quinn. It's just... A lot of stuff that is very over the top, and if you're into that humor, you'll definitely love it. I, like I said, I'm giving a rewatch just because I haven't had time to do it, so mm-hmm. definitely want to see how this panel is going to go, but I can only imagine the fan interaction. It's going to be yeah. hysterical. Uh, the one you should check out if you are a fan of Wonder Woman is the 80th Celebration panel. Uh, that wow. one takes place at 720. Uh, it says, as an Amazon and a god, Wonder Woman is truly timeless, so it's hard to believe she's turning 80. Join Wonder Woman 1984 director Patty Jenkins and star Gal Gadot, along with a very special guest, as they reflect on the character's influence on them personally and look forward to the 2021 celebrations. Definitely worth checking out. I got a hunch who the special guest is. Uh, her name is escaping me, but she was a Wonder Woman on the TV series. Oh, Linda Carter. Thank you. I, I got a feeling it might be Linda Carter. I could, I could definitely see her coming through, through yeah. this. Uh, next one up you should check out is if you are a fan of Shazam, is the Shazam panel taking place at 740. Uh, Ken, this first sentence is kind of throwing me. The one thing you got to remember is Shazam is very wholesome. Uh huh. So he's definitely family friendly. Yeah. Because it's Zach Levy and the cast, you can't tell blank to. Uh, and they messed around with the font on this gotcha. one, which is going to throw listeners off if gotcha. you're not paying attention. Gotcha. Because unless you're a fan of Shazam, I have to say it like Ron from Three Fat Nerds. Uh, Sworn to Secrecy on the new script of the upcoming movie, Zach and a few of his Shazam castmates are uh, talks with the Philippines' number one fan. I'm going to probably mess his name up, and I apologize. Gear. Kinamo? Uh, uh, yeah. About the next movie and what it might be about uh, while commentating from other panels from the other Zach's cut. Even a few surprises, guests to drop in. All right. So this could be very interesting to see. It definitely, I'm a fan of the first movie. It was everything I expected from a Shazam movie. Mm. Because if you're not a fan of the character, it, it's basically big meets Superman. Yeah. So you know what you're getting. I completely love that they decided to blank out shit. Yeah. Because it threw me for a loop. Yeah, so, it threw me for a loop. Yeah, so very interesting to see how they yeah. did that. Yep. Uh, after that is the panel titled Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League, uh, which takes place at 810. It says, Will Arnett hosts the highly anticipated video game reveal from Rocksteady Studios, creators of the Batman Arkham franchise. And, of course, that is the panel, the poster that I'm sure everyone has seen at this point, and my God, I cannot wait. Yeah, definitely super excited to see about this. Mm-hmm. Like I said, with all the video game news coming out, 
this one has got a lot yeah. of people really amped up about yeah. it. I can't wait to see this. Uh, the next one that I'm sure a lot of people have circled is taking place at 8.30. That one is The Batman. Uh, the description reads, The Batman filmmaker Matt Reeves joins host and self-professed fangirl Aisha Tyler for a discussion on of the upcoming film with a surprise or two for the fans. Uh, should note, did read today that I believe they're going to start filming again in about three months. Yes. Something like that. So going to be done very soon. Who knows? Might see a teaser trailer. You they, never know. They're really uh, capping off the day mm-hmm. with with a strong panel. The Batman by Matt Reeves is one of the most anticipated movies currently getting produced. Yeah. What we're going to expect to see of it, I expect a, a teaser trailer of some sort. Yeah. Maybe we'll see Robert Pattinson in the suit doing something. Maybe. Who knows? But that is one strong way to cap off. DC fandom from the Hall of Heroes. Mm-hmm. Definitely excited about that. Flipping over to the Watch first. Yeah, now, this one has got a little bit more of comic stuff mixed in. Yep, definitely has a lot going on with the Ask Carly Quinn Uncensored kicking off at <laughs> one o'clock. <laughs> As if the first question and answer wasn't cr- going to be crazy enough. Let's do an uncensored one. Yeah. So who knows what we're going to expect with that? Mm-hmm. And then you're going to see at one o'clock on there, Batman: The Joker War. Yep. Obviously, you know we're huge fans of Jason or James Tynan's run right now. I did just read uh, the issue that came out. What was it last week? And good God, yeah, the, it's nuts. They're going a lot of crazy places with it. So there's going to be a lot more people jumping in to uh, John John Rudley, who we we talked about from. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, is going to be writing the new book he's going to be in. So, yeah, Ridley is going to be there. Yeah. Um, and definitely George Jimenez is going to be there. Dan Jurgens. I mean, they got a lot more people jumping in about this one. Oh, yeah. So if you're a fan of that storyline, and I hope you are because it's been excellent, you're going to definitely want to check that out. Yeah. Uh, also going on at 1 o'clock, uh, you have Batman Three Jokers, uh, which reads, ahead of the launch of their highly anticipated miniseries, join master storytellers Jeff Johns and Jason Fabic. Uh, to learn the secrets behind Batman Three Jokers and how the clown prince of crime continues to loom large, not only in the life of Batman, but also in the lives of his allies in the war on crime. Yeah, definitely super excited to see this. I mean, this is one of my most anticipated books going. So can't wait mm-hmm. to can't wait to get more information on this. Yeah. Uh, also going on at one o'clock is the Batwoman panel. That of course for the CW uh, television series. Uh, it reads Gotham's newest hero is suited up and ready, and she's here. Join executive producers Caroline Dries and Sh- uh, Sarah uh, Shetter, S C H E C H T E R, uh, plus cast members Rachel Scarston, Megan Tandy. Cameron Johnson and Nicole Kang for an exclusive first discussion with the highly anticipated new Batwoman, Javisa Leslie, as she prepares to step into the iconic role. The cast will break down season one and give a sneak peek at season two, featuring new arrival Ryan Wilder, uh, a.k.a. Batwoman. So interesting. Yeah, I think this is going to be something if you're a fan of the show and the direction they're going to go in, mm-hmm. you definitely want to be checking this one out. Yeah. Uh, I don't expect to see a lot of footage. Maybe you'll see the the new lead in the in the mm-hmm. costume. That was the only thing I could say yeah. right now. Yeah. Uh, also taking place at 1 o'clock is the Black, Black Lightning panel. Uh, of course, this is about the CW show. Uh, it says, join Black Lightning stars Cress Williams, China and McLean. Nefessa Williams, Christina Adams, Marvin Jones III, uh, Jordan Calloway, and James Ramar with actor-filmmaker Robert Townsend moderating as they pay homage to the 90s. Oh, Ken, you'll like this one. Whether it was hit television shows like Living Single and Family Matters, films such as Boomerang, House Party, and Blade, the Chicago Bulls' domination of the NBA, or rap artists breaking ground, the 90s were lit. 
Oh, man. You had to bring up about the Bulls dominating the Knicks. Uh-huh. You had to. No, I'm excited to see about this. I like Black Lightning. I, th- I think they've done a really great job with the show. Yeah. And to see kind of get a little teasers about where we're going now with it, especially since he is going to be a part of the yep. Earth Prime universe. The Arrowverse proper. Yeah. I think there's going to be a lot of great ways it can go with the stories yeah. now. So Yeah. A lot of stuff going on at 1 o'clock. Also, you've got a screening of Creating Heroes, The Life and Art of Jim Lee, uh, which reads, featured on the animated film Justice League War, this documentary explores the work of master artist Jim Lee from his early days to his current position as DC's chief creative officer and publisher. Jim's story is truly one of inspiration as fans get to witness that our passion for DC superheroes is a global phenomenon. Intrinsically, we are all connected on a deeper level to our modern mythology of superheroes. Jim shows us firsthand that perseverance and dedication to our goals can make the dream come true. Uh, Despite upbringing, uh, upbringing or one originates in the world. Obviously, Jim Lee is a legendary creator of comics, so to hear him just talk about anything uh-huh. is amazing. And like I say, his life and art, uh, I cannot wait to check this one yeah. out. Yeah. Another one to check out, at, again, 1 o'clock, uh, DC Showcase Collection, Batman, Death in the Family panel. Uh, learn the fascinating details behind Warner Brother Home Entertainment's first ever interactive film presentation during the DC Showcase Batman Death in the Family panel. As the anchor of an anthology of 2019 to 2020 animated shorts, Batman A Death in the Family is based on the 1988 landmark DC event where fans voted by telephone to determine the story's ending and is or- uh, organically grown out in of the 2010 DC Universe bat- movie Batman Under the Red Hood. In this new version, the animated short is an interactive storytelling presentation with numerous branches, allowing the viewer multiple uh, options from which to choose and alter the path of the core characters. Batman, Robin, Joker, Red Hood, and more. Uh, Join Brandon Vetti, Batman Under the Red Hood, with uh, actors Vincent Martella from Phineas and Ferb, John DiMaggio from Adventure Time, and a whole bunch of others. Uh, for an in-depth panel discussion moderated by DC Daily's Hector Navarro uh, about this innovative film. So that, this is one I'm certainly amped up and, and excited to see. I hope because it's, uh, I don't know how they'll do it, but since it's, you know, choose your own adventure type of thing, I hope there's some way that kind of like with the uh, Telltale video games, like with The Walking Dead, where like you'd made your choice and then you saw the percentages of like if you made the popular choice or not the popular choice. I hope there's something like that for this. To get that interactive feel to this, I think is going to be a really groundbreaking thing to see. Mm -hmm. And especially for Death of the Family or Death in the Family, rather. To remember what was going on during that time with the comics Mm -hmm. and to see how it's translated. I mean, I'm super amped up about this one. Yeah. Uh, next up, you have the at one o'clock. You have the DC Legends of Tomorrow panel, uh, which reads: Unicorns, encores, and aliens. Oh my! The legends have encountered a mess of creatures, villains, and time periods over the course of the show, and you, the fans, have been on this wild ride right along with them. Join the cast and producers of DC's Legends of Tomorrow for a Q and A, and of course, lots of laughs. Be sure to tune in and get the inside scoop on favorite moments from past seasons and what they have in store for season six. Yeah. So, legends. Uh-huh. Hmm. Were, any predictions for this one? I have honestly no idea because yeah. they go all over the place. Yeah, they, and that's not a bad thing. No, they definitely don't. It's not a bad thing, but they. I think they really got to come back strong from last uh-huh. season. Yeah. Too much uh, cast moving around, I think. Really yeah, well, and, and plus just the, the story was kind of all over the place. Yeah. So it was, it was a little hard to follow. Yeah, so. Yep. Uh, next up, also at 1 o'clock, you have the DC Stargirl panel. Hell yeah. Uh, which reads, DC Stargirl's creative executive producer Jeff Johns joins cast members Breck Bassinger, Amy Smart, Yvette Monreal, 
Angelica Washington and Cameron Gelman uh, for a panel full of fun and inside scoop. Join the new Justice Society of America as they dive into that epic showdown and learn a little more about each other through some special lenses. Hmm. So imagine there'll be something a little interactive with Dr. Midnight. Yeah, Um, I would imagine so. But I mean, for how that show was first season, I'm hoping we get maybe a little teaser clips or not clips, but rather some uh, Uh Easter eggs get dropped on us. Maybe about for plans for season two, especially going to the CW. That's what I'm really looking forward to from this one. Uh, Next one up is I didn't know this was a thing. Holy cow. Uh, That is the Deathstroke Knights and Dragons. Hell yeah. Let's go. I did not know this was a thing. Holy crap. So it reads go behind the mask and into the deep legacy of one of DC's most revered anti-heroes in Deathstroke Knights and Demons, the latest entry in the popular series of DC animated movies. Actors Sasha Alexander from Rizzolian Isles, Chris J. Alex from Extraction, and Griffin Putao from Beastars uh, join director Sung Jin An uh, who, from Nico and the Sword of Light for a conversation about this action-packed feature-length film. Holy cow, I did not realize that they were making a Deathstroke animated film. I heard all for it. I heard things about this. I've seen very little bit get announced, but you know I'm locked and loaded for this one. Deathstroke is arguably my favorite DC character. Right. So going to one o'clock mm-hmm. two as well. Uh, you know I have this one circled. Yep. DC Doom Patrol. Yep. So from the fandom to fan doom, join the world's strangest heroes, the Doom Patrol, for a deep dive discussion of the beloved and bizarre series. Panel will feature executive producers Jeremy Carver, Chris Dinges, co-executive producer Tamara Betcher Wilkinson, and series stars Matt Bomber, Diana Guerrero, April Balby, Jovian Wade, Timothy Dalton, Karen Oblamium, uh-huh. Abigail Shapiro, Riley Shanahan, and Matthew Zook. All right. Uh, no uh, Brendan Fraser. Hmm. Surprised by hmm. that one. But uh, I could see him doing a run into Yeah, probably. Either way, I love this show. I think it's been such a pleasant surprise to see. I can't wait, man. I'm, I'm too amped up. I apologize if I butchered anybody's names, too. I get When I get amped up about talking about this yeah. stuff, I wind up screwing names up. But... Doom Patrol, if you haven't caught up to it, get caught up. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, next up at 1 o'clock, you have the Harley Quinn panel, which reads, Drop the kitties off at the DC Kidsverse and head over to the Harley Quinn panel. The hilarious voice cast of Kaylee Cuoco, Lake Bell, Ron Funches, all right, didn't know he was on the show. Holy crap. Yeah. Matt Oberg and Alan Tudyk will join the executive producers, Justin Halpern, Patrick Schumacher, uh, Dean Laurie, uh, and supervising producer Jennifer Coyle to break down the most effing outrageous moments in the show. Hashtag Harlivy, Har, Harl Ivy forever. Yeah. I mean, obviously, this show has been winning people over, so it's going to be some fun watch. Mm-hmm. Something, definitely. Harley Quinn's going to be all over fandom. Yeah. So This one I know you'll be very interested in. Uh, Inside Injustice, making the hit making the hit games and comics. Uh, an inside look at the creation of the best-selling Injustice games and comic books. Definitely excited to see it. I want to get a little confirmation. The only thing I'm looking really for this panel, other than the amazing content, I want a confirmation date about Injustice 3. We were talking on Wonder Soul's live stream. Shout out to him. Mm-hmm. And... Injustice came up, and the last thing I remember hearing was May 2021 for mm. Injustice 3, the game. Okay. I'd like to hear a little bit more about this. Okay. Now, are we going to get this? I don't know, but 
is going to be interesting to see. Yeah. Uh, one, I think I'm going to be kind of interested just because I remember reading interesting stuff about this this line. Uh, it's the mostly deceased panel. Uh, launched in 2019, deceased has taken the comic world by storm. Joined superstar talent Tom Taylor, Trevor uh, Harrison, Carl Mustard, and others as they talk mostly deceased with some injustice and suicide squad sprinkled in. I uh, can't go wrong with that. DC has been a, a really surprised thing for me, so mm-hmm. I'm definitely excited to see about that. Yeah. Uh, one that is absolutely, I got circles that got I'm very interested to see it. Just saw a, a teaser clip today. Uh, that is the Superman Man of Tomorrow panel. Uh, Daily Planet intern Clark Kent takes learning on the job to new extremes when Lobo and Parasite set their sights on Metropolis and Superman Man of Tomorrow. The 41st entry, holy crap, uh, in the popular series of DC Universe movies. Join a lively discussion of the inner workings of bringing the Superman tale to animated life with Emmy and Golden Globe Award winner Darren Chris, uh, Brett Dalton. Ooh. Oh, our, our friend there. Uh-huh. Uh, Ryan Hurst uh, from Sons of Anarchy and The Walking Dead. And I... Aiki Amadi from uh, Mass Effect 3. Oh, hello. Uh, alongside supervising producer Butch Lukic uh, from Constantine City of Demons, director Chris Palmer, who did Voltron Legacy Defender, uh, and screenwriter Tim Sheardon from The Death of Superman. Uh, so that is, of course, the upcoming uh, animated film, which I am very excited for. It definitely looks very cool. Like, yeah. I am super excited to kind of check it out and see what we got coming because i mean you showed me the little trailer with a, mm-hmm. a, a certain main man yeah. making an appearance on it so yeah. i'm excited to see it they have really stacked this one o'clock time too again yeah, yeah i'm saying i'm still looking at stuff that's one o'clock yeah because what I, th- I think that's the thing though is they said uh in the thing we initially read was that like the second one is like a you pick and choose and you watch when you want so they're just saying oh, hey it's all going live at one o'clock and then have fun. Yeah, because at 1 o'clock, too, is the Superman and Lois panel. Yeah. So we're going to get uh, Tyler Hoechlin and Elizabeth Tulick uh, talking about the history of Superman and maybe what to expect of the new series coming mm-hmm. out, too. So, yeah, I mean, this is going to be something. Plus, Jim Lee, you can follow along as he shows the panelists how to draw Superman. All right. How cool is that? Yeah, well, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Yeah. I mean, there's so much going on, too. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Even at uh, 1 o'clock, too. Static shocks episode screening. Oh, so if you're not, if you're, if you are charged, are you charged yet? That's the question. If <laughs> not, now is your chance to watch an entire episode of the fan favorite animated series Static so Shock, created by the late Milestone Comics uh, co-founder Dwayne McDuffie, uh, from whom the McDuffie Dakota Theater is named. They also have two kicking off, and I, I meant to talk about this too, but there's so much I'm, I'm just catching up on. Kicking off the day is the League of One, the Dwayne McDuffie story. Okay, um, I know that we're kind of jumping back, but yet again, one o'clock. Um, on what you call it, the Saturday, September twelfth, they're going to be running yep. this. So it's going to be yep. the second day. Originally released with a DC animated movie, Justice League Doom. This documentary celebrates the late milestone creator Dwayne McDuffie, a prolific writer, artist, and advocate, bringing black superhero characters to the screen. His work entertained and enlightened advanced cultural diversity and elevated the standards for superhero storytelling, creating a standard that future generations would be inspired and challenged to reach. Although Dwayne's life may have been cut short, his work, including uh, Damage Control for Marvel, creating comics for Milestone, his transition to television animator at Warren Brothers Studio with series such as Static Shock, uh, Justice League, Teen Titans, Ben 10, and more will live on forever. Definitely excited to see that. I know we've been jumping around a little bit for that, but I want to definitely say that's highlighted for me. Yeah. To see. Uh, one I know you'll have highlighted is uh, the panel Take a Tour of T- DC's Death Metal Metalverse. Hell yes. So Sorry. this one reads uh, Explore every corner of the horrifying landscape of Dark Knight's Death Metal from Castle Bat to New Apocalypse to the Atomic Wastelands and beyond. Enough said. I read I mean, one issue of this, and I was like, what the hell am I reading? Yeah, that's kind of the vibe you get from it, too. 
I mean, yeah. I understand now why they split it to two to two separate days because now all this stuff on one day would have been like head exploding. Uh huh. Now it's like okay, I got a little chance to breathe and and read, but man, they're really stacking those opening days. This one, yeah, the next one surprised the hell out of me because I didn't know this was even a thing. Uh, it is the Creative Coalition presents Superman Radio Show World Premiere. Oh, using original scripts from the 1940s Superman Radio series. Tim Daly and an all-star cast, including Eric McCormack, Henry Winkler, Alfred Woodard, Jason Alexander, uh, Giancarlo Esposito, Tim Daly, CCH Pounder, uh, Troyan Belisario, Wilson Cruz, Anthony Rapp, Leah Delaria, and many others provide new voices to these classic episodes. So it looks like we're going to get, you know, the original unedited 1940s radio plays of Superman redone. That's crazy. Which is awesome. That's definitely dope. Yeah. Man. So much good stuff happening on here. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely something to check out. Uh, there is another uh, flash panel that appears taking place on Saturday. This one has a description. Uh, it says executive producer Eric Wallace joins cast members Grant Gustin, Candace Patton, Danielle Panabaker, Carlos Valdez, Danielle Nicolette, Kayla Compton, and Brandon McKnight to discuss all things Flash with Entertainment Weekly's Chancellor Aggard. Team Flash will break down both parts of Season 6 and look ahead to what's to come with an exclusive trailer for Season 7. Uh, fans will also get an uh, exclusive uh, get a look at the exclusive Black and White Noir episode, Kiss, Kiss, Breach, Breach, uh, which will be available on the Flash Season 6 Blu-ray DVD, uh, Blu-ray and DVD that will come out later this month. Yeah, so it looks like what they're doing is they're going to be splitting up the Flash on two for both shows. Mm-hmm. So, so you're going to see a lot of runover for the CW shows. Sure. So you might get a small teaser uh, panel this coming weekend, mm-hmm. but September 12th yep. and 13th when they run... Uh, DC Fandom 2. Yep. So that's how we're going to word it. Sure. You're going to see a lot more of the cast because yeah. what I'm guessing is just looking at how it's lined up. Like at a trailer or something the first time and then yeah, full blown. Because yeah. everybody's slowly starting to get back into filming. Yeah. So we might see something there because like, I yep. know Titans is doing the same thing as yeah, well. Yeah, so. I'm looking at that one too. Yeah, it says Titans are back, bitches. That phrase kicked off an explosive second season on of Titans that culminated with the long-awaited emergence of uh, Redacted, because some people might not want to be spoiled, yeah. as their leader and the tragic death of one of their own. Uh, and as new mysteri- a new mysterious threat looms, season three promises to be the biggest yet. Join executive producer Greg Walker and series star Brenton Thwaites, Anna Diop, Tegan Croft, Ryan Potter, Connor Leslie, Curran Walt Walters, Joshua Orpin, uh, Demarcus Lewis with Alan Richton and Minka Kelly for a preview of the new season, as well as a discussion of the top Titan moments of the first two seasons. Okay, that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to spoil anything. If you're a fan of Titans, you need, need, need to check that out. Yeah, I'm just going to leave it right there with that. Yeah, and then a fun, last one that's kind of jumping out to me is the uh, Young Justice cast audio play performance and panel, uh, which reads, Calling all Young Justice fans. Can't wait for season four? Well, we couldn't wait either. So DC Fandom has something special guaranteed to leave you feeling that just whelmed. Uh, join executive producers Greg Weissman and Brandon Vetti, plus voice cast members Jason Spizak, Carrie Payton, Stephanie Lemlin, Nolan North, Denise Boot, uh, Danica McKellar, and Crispin Freeman for a special audio play performance of a brand new Young Justice episode. After the table read, stick around for a Q&A session previewing the new season. It's going to be Crash. Interesting to see. I can't wait to hear a little bit more about Young Justice because obviously they came back very strong mm-hmm. on the DCU. So I know there was rumors about a new season coming. Yeah. It's been a little quiet lately. Mm-hmm. So 
who knows what to expect. I mean, that's all on the watch first, and like I say, the times for that, you, gotta, you just got to really pay attention because I know they're mixing in with the schedule. Yep. A lot of this, though, is lined up for September 12th, so definitely want to stay focused with that. But once you sign into FanDome, definitely take a look around for your time and your schedules to go around. Because there's so much going on, like I said, the kids verse, you verse, and fun verse. Yeah, it's all geared. Like I said, they made it uh, for the kids, obviously with kids verse, you yep. verse. If you're into cosplay and a little more of like the internet, the fan interaction. Mm-hmm. Like I said, there's a lot of fan events. There's a lot of cosplay events. Yep. Uh, celebration of DC Inc. Uh, villain fan art. I mean, there is a lot for that. So we're not going to deep dive into those per se. But there is also, like I say, the fun verse, which is all about the amusement miles. Mm-hmm. And they talk about the different uh, rides, like Superman the Ride, Batman Dark yep. Flight. But the insider verse, I thought, was really interesting mm-hmm. to kind of touch upon, too. And a lot of this, like I said, is geared up for September 12th. I think they're really stacking the Hall of Heroes for this coming weekend. Yeah. But just to even just quickly go over, too, they have the Snyder Cut look behind the music. Mm-hmm. They got Aquaman fan questions. You get the Arrow Pilot EPK, mm. which is like a little behind the scenes of when they shot the pilot for Arrow. You get Batman and Me, the Bob Kane story. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the Batwoman, Black Lightning, uh, Comic Con, 2018 Sizzle Reel. There's so much going on with this, but Pad, let me just kind of cap this off with mm-hmm. we now know Fandom is going to take off. The fans wanted more, they got more. In spades. In spades, because like I say, from how this is reading, the Hall of Heroes is primarily going to be running this event this weekend. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to digest from this. Yeah. But what is your initial vibe going into this? I'm excited for this because I think there's definitely an avenue and a, a fan base willing to see this kind of thing. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how this goes because if this goes well, you could very well see similar situations down the road. I could fully see Marvel doing this. Yeah. I could fully. Disney already kind of has their own with D23, but I can see various other entities and corporations and groups that have a hold of a lot of properties doing stuff like this. And I think there is absolutely a market and a fan base and a, and a viewing public willing to watch stuff like this. You know, I'm very interested in a lot of this stuff. If Marvel were to do it, I'd be very interested in a lot of that stuff. Yeah, I definitely think so too. I think DC has taken a very proactive attempt to try doing their own Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. It's weird to say, but looking at the lineup, and especially, too, since we've been deep diving into this, they have been restructuring a lot of their schedule. Right. So now a lot of what you were normally going to see running has been shifted for the September 12th event. Mm-hmm. I don't exactly know how I feel about that, but I do know for what they're giving us on August 22nd, it's a lot. Yeah. And it's definitely something that if you miss something... You can go back and rewatch it. They're going to be airing it multiple times, and then it goes away. Now, how this all plays out to the fans' reaction is going to be the telling point. Because mm-hmm. will this influence something like New York Comic Con? Will this influence yeah. something yeah. for Marvel to react? Yeah. Will this be something that is going to be an annual event? Will DC hypothetically stop having such a big footprint at the other cons? I don't think so. No, but, no definitely but, I, not. but I think if they can say this is a, a success... This is going to be a really progressive idea that I think a lot of people are going to try running with moving mm-hmm. forward. It's something very interesting to keep an eye on. We're definitely going to be locked and loaded for it. We're going to be recapping the event on next week's episode. Yeah. But definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. DC Fandom, are you excited? What are you going to be checking out? We want to know. Let's have that conversation. We're going to take a quick break. 
We'll be right back. This is Rich, the host of the Three Fat Nerds podcast and co-host of the Horror Zone 607 podcast. And you are listening to our hashtag 607 podcast brothers, the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. Now kick it back over to Ken Moneybags and the crew. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, Pad. What you got for those one-shots? Got some breaking news. Uh, for once, it happens while we're recording and not afterwards. Okay. Uh, it is being reported online by someone I trust very much that uh, Sony slash Marvel is going to have a do a Spider-Woman film. Oh, okay. And they have tapped Olivia Wilde to direct. And uh, the, person Interesting. I, the person I trust replied with one phrase, Jessica Drew. Okay. Well, that makes sense. I didn't realize that they had... Jessica Drew's rights over with the Sony deal. Maybe mm. I, I'm, I'm wrong because I know somebody's going to say, well, Spider-Woman, Spider-Man. I always primarily think of her with the Avengers mm-hmm. and that family. So that's why I was like, okay, that's kind of interesting. Sony's doing it. But this could be one of their projects they were talking about doing like with yeah. Silk. And, yeah. uh, and I know the the whole Silver Sable yeah. um, Black Cat movie, whatever that's up yeah. There is interesting. All, yeah, there's also a rumor floating around that apparently it does have the same executive producer uh, that was on Homecoming and Far From Home. Okay. So there's a little bit of connection. Very interesting to see. All yeah. right. Well, okay. We'll have to hear about a little casting news, but Olivia yeah. Wilde, uh, yeah. okay, let's go. Yeah. A little tease for some comic stuff going on this week. You should definitely check out the latest edition of Thor, uh, issue number six. I won't spoil it for you, but holy shit. Uh, to put it mildly, I did read, uh, read an article about what happened because I'm not really reading it all that much, but i like, all right, what's going on? Uh, holy shit. Also, what gets teased in the issue, all I'm going to say is, is this. Mjolnir plus Infinity Stones. Yeah, Pad just showed me the promotional art. I, I have no words right now. What, what the, the image that Ken and I are both looking at, which is teased at the, which is at the end of the issue, scares the shit out of me. Like if that's in a video game, if it's game a, if, over. If they put that in a movie, it would be amazing. Oh, it's it's a wrap. Like you, you, there's no way you defeat that person uh-huh. with what they have. With what they have. Yeah. I mean, the current run of Thor has been a very good surprise. I mean, Donny Cates has really stepped up to yeah. fill in after Jason Aaron. So yeah, he's doing a great job, and he's going to do an even greater job. Yeah, but that's freaking wild. Holy crap! Let him run crazy, man. I'm, yeah. I'm all down with this. Yeah, got some casting news for an upcoming film from Guillermo del Toro. Uh, he is working on a stop motion version adaptation of Pinocchio, uh, which is going to be coming out on Netflix at some point. It's in the process of filming, according to IMDb. But here is your ca- it's uh, according to IMDb, it's 2021. Uh, but here is your cast now not all not all the roles are attached to this but some are so i will fill those in playing jiminy cricket you have one ewan mcgregor okay uh playing the fairy with turquoise hair aka i think it's gonna be the blue fairy if you're familiar with the disney animated version right that will be tilda swinton okay. aka the uh, what is it the ancient the one? ancient one from dr strange, dr. strange. Amongst many, many uh-huh. others. playing the gentleman who i forget what his job title is but he like runs the marionette show that uh, pinocchio gets kidnapped by uh is Ron Perlman. Okay. Playing an unknown role as of yet is Christoph Christoph Waltz. Uh, also in an unknown role yet is Finn Wolfhard, for both from It and Stranger Things. Uh, also in it, it, playing Geppetto, is David Bradley, of course, okay. played uh, Filch in the Harry Potter films, and then was Walter Frey uh, in Game of Thrones. So, wow, that's a crazy Man, cast. they stacked that thing. Yeah, they did. Holy smokes. Yeah, no, that's, that was absolutely nuts. And I, you know what? I'm excited to see that. Guillermo del Toro, hit or miss for me, but when it's something that's not 
full-blown horror, I'm, I'm all for. Yeah, I mean, obviously a brilliant, brilliant mind there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I like, I, I've never really been a super Pinocchio fan. Yeah. But this, I'm, okay, you, you've got yeah, me with no, the casting. I, I, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm not a huge Pinocchio fan. I enjoy the the animated film that Disney did back in the day. But I'm, I'm interested to see this because stop motion isn't with as you know, easy and as quick as it is to do modern animation. Stop motion is not really used all that much anymore. No, definitely not. So yeah, hmm. yeah. Uh, and some happy Avatar: The Last Airbender news because after last week, Christ, we need some. Yeah. Uh, Nickelodeon decided to make the original unaired pilot for Avatar: The Last Airbender uh, available to watch. So I guess it was released uh, as part of a Twitch stream uh, on Avatar Origins. Uh, it was titled Avatar: uh, Creating the Legend. And apparently, it was a very low budget episode. Uh, and if you find the stream, it's in about the forty three minute mark. Uh, was originally used to pitch the animated series to Nickelodeon executives. However, it never actually aired on television. Uh, so instead, if you're familiar, uh, so I guess instead, uh, Avatar's pilot episode was made available to purchase on iTunes and some DVD sets. But for many, uh, this is the first opportunity, including myself, to see some early sample footage. Uh, you know, it, it's very interesting because it's very different from what I'm, I've read than the actual introduction, which starts when the some of the main characters first meet Aang, the Avatar. This, I guess, unaired pilot starts midway through their journey, and it's it's very different. I'm very interested to check this out. Yeah, it definitely looks pretty interesting. Like I said, I'm not as big of an Avatar fan mm-hmm. as you are, but yeah, this definitely has got my attention. Yeah. I will say that. Yeah, got some more interesting G4 news because, holy, I don't know if we talked about that on the show. No, no, we mentioned briefly, but you want to break it down? Yeah, so G4 is coming back. That, of yeah. course, the, those of you might not remember, might, those of you might be too young, G4 was a channel kind of, it was good for cops reruns and cheaters reruns, and then the uh, <laughs> the Japanese version the Japanese version of uh, Ninja Warrior, yep. uh, MXP, or MXS, most extreme show was on there for a while, uh, but it was very well known for two shows, uh, X-Play, which was a video game review show, and then Attack of the Show. Yeah, I remember which, Attack of the Show. Yeah, with Olivia Munn and then Kevin Pereira, which is where Olivia Munn got her start. Uh, X-Play known for video game reviews and was kind of like, and, and the other great thing with the show was they did San Diego Comic-Con live from, they did uh, CES, the Consumer Enter- Electronic Show live from there. They went to E3. So that was one of the big things I loved about the show was like, hey, I want to see what these video game companies are announcing. It was always in the summer. I was off from school. Well, let me sit on G4 and watch it all day. The show is returning. Uh, how, and it appears, according to reports, that Olivia Munn is reportedly in talks to return as a host Whoa. when the network okay. when the network relaunches in 2021. Of course, like I said, she was one of the original crew uh, before she part ways uh, to become an actress. Uh, but it does appear she is in, quote, according to the rap, uh, she is in final talks to sign a multi-year deal with G4. Uh, and it is a pact that will include a development deal and, and has both on and off air components. So very interesting, and, and uh, that would be great to see. The one thing with G4, uh, remembering some of their programming and some of the stuff they did from back in the day, there is no way in hell they could do that these days. No, definitely not, but getting Olivia Mum to come back, yeah, huge. That's a big move. Yeah. That's a big uh-huh. feather in their cap, man. You know, like for G4, I don't think I appreciated it at mm-hmm. the time. Yeah. I'm like really freaking amped up about this. I, ju- I just remember when, they had, when I first got an uh, iPod Touch. And then, and I got they had the G4 app. Mm-hmm. I'd sit in bed, you know, before falling asleep and just watch clips from Attack of the Show and X Play just right before I went. So I've got a lot of fond memories. I can't wait for G4 to come back. I know uh, 
Xavier Woods from WWE is petitioning like you know what to get on the show. Oh, uh, he should. You know, he absolutely God, he absolutely should. So I uh, can't wait to see what they do with that. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, definitely can't wait to see when that rolls out. Yeah. Uh, one of the producers uh, of Project Ragtag, a.k.a. the uh, canceled Star Wars video game uh, that was being made by Visceral Games, said that, quote, it would have been the best Star Wars game ever made. Uh, he t- he talked about how a leadership team was brought in to cut and ship the game, and they had a very different vision uh, for Ragtag than Amy Hennig's crew at Visceral, uh, saying, quote, I'm thinking this is effing Amy Henning. We have a chance to make the greatest Star Wars game ever made and a possible game of the year contender. This is the one that if you if you YouTube search Visceral Star Wars game trailer, because they debuted this trailer at E3. Okay. And it looked bonkers that it's set in the middle of like when the Empire's in, in charge and it's free roam and it's this and that. It looked nuts. And I was really amped up for this because don't get me wrong, I enjoy, you know, shooters and multiplayer stuff to a certain degree. But I love Star Wars story-driven games. And this looked like it was going to be amazing. But sadly, it got canceled. Who knows? With Star Wars, nothing's ever th- nothing is ever thrown away. We could see portions of it end up somewhere down the line. But very interesting to see that this could have been a you know, game of the year contender. Yeah, like it, it looks definitely interesting. Yeah. Uh, and then lastly, one of my favorite shows uh, or characters from the 90s, Disney television, is coming back. If for maybe for only one episode, Darkwing Duck is coming to uh, Disney XD, and and the network has a one-hour special for the character set to air in October uh, during the upcoming season of Ducktales. Uh, the special is titled "Let's Get Dangerous," uh, which is of course his catchphrase. Uh, will air on October nineteenth on Disney XD, uh, and the new season of Ducktales will premiere on September twenty-first. Uh, the announcement, uh, excuse me, the special was announced on Twitter by one of the executive producers of the series. Uh, which reads magical feuds, alien rampages, monstrous secrets, villainous resurrections. Let's get dangerous. Yeah, that looks amazing. That's what I meant to say about that. I uh, like, yeah. Anytime you're kind of dipping around the Ducktales mm-hmm. stuff, I know you're such a huge Disney fan about oh, yeah. this. Like, you've got to be amped. Like, oh, I'm. I love the original Ducktales. I haven't seen anything of the new stuff, but I loved, 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 loved Dark uh, Darkwing Duck back in the school. Like I, that was. I just remember for a few years that was like my favorite thing to say as a kid. Is let's get dangerous oh yeah i mean it was so clutch at the time too uh-huh. i don't think i don't think people remember like how clutch it was mm-hmm. because it was coming off the heels of it was a what that bad bruce willis movie yeah um, yeah hudson hawk yeah and it was it was supposed to be the parody like he was supposed to be like the batman of that mm-hmm. universe yep yeah and he always gives like the real crazy speech and oh yeah like, i am dark wing duck yeah well and there's all and there's and there's one episode that's dark for what it is i forget what the episode name is but it's an episode where one of the younger characters go, it's almost as if Robin went into the future, and 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 he and Batman thought he died, and Batman just goes nuts and loses all his morals. But in this case, it's Darkwing Duck and one of his proteges, and it's for its time and for a kids show. It's yo, that was yeah, it's very dark. Yeah, but the show is so good. Yeah, like I'm surprised they actually like went some places they did with it because it's not typical Disney. Like, no, it's not. But Disney got away and pushed a lot of boundaries in the '90s that they would never be able to do now. Yeah, this is very true. Yeah, this is very true. Watch, watching back on some of the older '90s Disney television and animated stuff, I'm like, yeah, there's no way you could do that these days. Yeah, definitely not. Yeah. So for my one shots, and I apologize, like all that fandom stuff has just completely like warped my head going into this. But I do have a couple things though. Okay. So one is just been announced that. D or yeah, I'm saying DC already. Marvel uh-huh. has announced a new team for an Eternals book they're rolling out. Ooh! So obviously everybody is waiting to see what is going on with the Eternals movie. 
Marvel's which next is filmed and done. Next big franchise, yeah, which is filmed and done. There's a lot of speculation of when this trailer is going to get dropped on us. NBA playoffs. Yeah, I would say NBA playoffs. Maybe the first NFL game of the season it could mm. be like a halftime thing. Could be. They're going to really want to go big with this because this franchise. I'm telling you right now, this could be the one that missteps. Mm-hmm. It could be. It could be a home run out of the park too. I mean, Marvel has turned Ant Man and Guardians of the Galaxy into big blockbuster franchises. Mm-hmm. The Eternals, we don't know, but they have another book coming out. The team is pretty stacked up as uh, Kieran Gillen, mm-hmm. who's going to be writing, and Isad Ribic is going to be drawing. Um, so where they're going to go with this is anybody's guess. Um, but like I say, I really want to see some feedback about the Eternals. Like, what does everybody feel about it? Because for me, I'm not a fan of the comic. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give the movie a shot. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I'm not like when I heard this franchise was getting done, I'm like, ah, I, don't know. I. All right. So hear me out. If they don't premiere the trailer during the NBA playoffs, I think what's one thing Disney likes to do when it comes to debuting trailers? Do it during Monday Night Football. Uh-huh. So I'm looking at the schedule and looking at some matchups. If they were to do it because they've done that with Star Wars a number of times and you know always huge ratings. And with no Star Wars on the future, they need some new franchise to debut on Monday Night Football. Uh, Marvel would be an easy one. Uh, week, what is this? Week three in the NFL season. Monday, September 28th, 8 p- 8.15 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Kansas City Chiefs, Baltimore Ravens. Hmm. Yeah, if I'm a betting man that you want a buttload of people already tuning into the game and catch out, catch your new film and watch the trailer during halftime, there gonna be a lot. Patrick Mahomes versus Lamar Jackson. There'll be a lot of eyes on that game. I'll be huge on that game. That that if if I were a betting man, I'd have that uh, matchup circled. Yeah, so we're gonna have to keep our eyes out for the trailer. And like I said for the book, I mean, Kieran Gillen is. Always done great work. I'm a big fan. Mm-hmm. And like I said, Ribic drawn, drawn. I mean, I'll give it a read, but like I say, the Eternals really has to sell me, and I'm I'm not. Mm-hmm. Like I said super amped up about it, but we'll have to wait and see. Also, there was some noise going out this week too. I mean, shout out to Brian Cheers of Comics. He just did an interview with David Pepos about his new project coming out, which is the OZ, mm-hmm. and um, it's basically the way it sounded like a completely flipped version of. The Wizard of Oz franchise. And if you know anything about Pepos, he does great work. I mean, uh, Spencer and Locke has been always a great book to read if you haven't checked it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, like I say, you you should definitely try checking it. And like I say, most of this is done by Kickstarter, too, mm. which, like I say, or number one is being offered via Kickstarter, and the campaign's live now. And they're doing a bunch of different uh, Kickstarter things going. For more details on that, I'm going to say check out uh, Brian's interview with uh, David on Cheers to Comics. But the other thing that I noticed with this as well, because you'll know when I say the uh, name of this book, it's another Kickstarter book that's being done um, called Nocturnal. Now, Pad, if I say the name Scott Snyder, you already know I'm like, Uh has my full attention. Uh Tony Daniel is drawing this. Okay. It's a horror comic. And what 
it's being done is there's a, via Kickstarter too. Sure. So like I said, if you go to Scott Snyder's Instagram page, he has a link up for the Kickstarter. And it's very interesting to see like these creator-owned books are trying to go via Kickstarter to get yeah. these projects done, which I think is very cool. I mean, is definitely if you're talking to a fan base, you're definitely producing something that they'd be interested in funding. And like I say, for a little more information on this, I'm going to give that plug like I always do because I think Cheers of Comics is freaking amazing. Definitely check out the latest episode of Cheers of Comics where Brian's interviewing uh, David Pepos about it too as well. And lastly, mm-hmm. there was some noise that came across the uh, internet, shall we say, via space. Okay. That had people freaking out a little bit. So that doesn't take much. No, but when somebody is talking about a heartbeat uh-huh. in the middle of space, mm-hmm. what did, what is that? Uh, well, I think Galactus. Yes, because something was going off about something that sounded like a heartbeat that uh, some researchers had found in a black hole in space. If they see a gentleman in silver flying through the universe, uh, excuse my French, but we're fucked. Yeah, that's what I, I kind of say. It, it's kind of a little crazy. Uh, 2020. 2020 noise that it went because some researchers had, had heard something that was like a sonic heartbeat. And I know it was running crazy. So once it was detected from a gas cloud, Everybody on the internet was running with this idea mm-hmm. that Galactus is coming. Which, hey, it's 2020. I mean, if it, like Pat touched upon, if you see uh, a, a enormous giant with a purple helmet coming towards Earth, it's game over, folks. Kiss your butt goodbye. Yep. Unless, of course, somebody whips out the Infinity Gauntlet and then we go to town. Like, it, it's just... It's a crazy story to end on. I thought it was pretty funny hearing about it, just the now, social media reaction. Now, if Galactus shows up, you and I both know there's only one person we call, Nostradogmus. Yes. No, oh, Nostradogmus is the only one who can save us. The face-off there will be absolutely incredible. So that being said, the music you heard on this edition of the ODPH podcast is that of Shout at the Robots. You can find out everything going on with them. Floodlands, Fair City Fire, Second Suitor, and so many other great bands on ochoduropalear.com slash music. Also on the ODPH website, you can check out the ODPH directory, which it has friends of the show, such as Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming, Excite Wrestling, Organizational Links Supporting Black Lives Matters, and Voter Registration, plus all the amazing pod groups that we are in. And a special shout-out to hashtag 607podcast, Rich Run, and hashtag Big Nanny Cool, still on Twitter, Pat. Oh, boy. He's still there, and if you want to find out all that is going on there, definitely sign up for their Patreon, patreon.com slash 8122productions. $1 gets you in the door, $3 gets you a comfy seat at the table. All of this, plus links to our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash 607podcast, which this Saturday we're going to be doing some double duty because we're going to be doing some wrestling coverage, talking about NXT TakeOver, but right after that we are going to give you some instant feedback on DC Fandom. So if you can't wait till next week's ODPH podcast, Rich, myself, and some guests are going to be jumping on Twitch, giving you some instant feedback of what we've heard about DC Fandom, so you can definitely run with it. Because like I said, all the changes that happened today completely threw me off my game because I am super, super, super amped up for it. But if you want to find out everything that's going on with the ODPH until then, head on over to OchoDuroParleyHour.com. That's all I got for this week. For the one and only Padawan J. 84 days, still no HBO uh, Max app on Roku or Amazon Fire Stick. 35 days, still no uh, Peacock app on Roku or Amazon Fire Stick. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time. (laughs) 